Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, March the 11th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say. How do? Mr. Bob Ryan. No snow today. And on the line with Ms. Nikki Alfaro. Hey, guys. Hello, Nikki. What up? So we were almost, it was almost business as usual on Talking Comics, and then moments before we recorded, Stephanie went on injured list. With a horrible, horrible headache. Uh, we wish you were feeling better. But Nikki yes. has stepped mm-hmm. in last second to help us out this week on Talking Comics. Um, she's, she wasn't on Comics and Coffee this week, but now we have her on Talking Comics. Oh, so. it was you and Perfect. Brian, right? It was me and Brian this week, yeah. Um, so, uh, Nikki, thank you so much for helping us out. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. We, we love having you on the show. Um, how are things going for you? Things are good. It's um, it's warm up here and in, in the Great North as well. So <laughs> it was nice going out today. I I got to wear a leather jacket instead of layers and layers and layers of clothes. So that was great. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very excited about it. Uh, <laughs> I am. It's very exciting when I don't have to wear five layers of clothing. <laughs> I do agree with you on that. Now, is your leather jacket new, or is it like all like old and worn in, and it's like been on a lot of adventures? Um, it's kind of getting there. I think it's the second year that I have. It's I've had Twilight years. Yeah. jacket. <laughs> my my leather jacket. So it's getting there, but it's still comfy. So I'll wear it until I can't wear it anymore. <laughs> You have bad to the bone playing on the inside pocket on a little recorder. <laughs> Just walk past people, bear, 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 bear. a little speaker on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I want that jacket. Absolutely. Um, so we got a we got a hell of a week for you guys this week. So many good books came out this week. Yeah, it was a big week. Yeah, we're going to be talking for our shared book of the week. We have all new Hawkeye number one by Jeff Lemire and Ramon Perez. Um, that'll be our shared book of the week. But we also, of course, have our lightning rounds and our personal books of the week, which will feature some more Lemire, some Spider Woman. And some other some other goodies some uh, crossovers. to talk about. Yes, we also have um, some stuff to f- to kind of filter in while we talk here. Of course, uh, the Avengers: Age of Ultron trailer dropped in between podcasts, so we have we have that to discuss. We actually got a new Daredevil trailer just today, mm-hmm. um, so we, we can chat a little bit about that. Um, and some other stuff went, went down as well that we can talk about. I was surprised there's no sales numbers out yet for February. No. no, which I looked for this week. I was like, I'm not going to let Bob scoop me this week and show up and be like, <laughs> yeah. you want to talk about sales numbers? And I'll be like, oh, I don't, don't really sales numbers came out, which happens every month. I was like, I'm going to check for this. Is, and no sales numbers. No sales numbers. So we mm. don't have those for you yet, but uh, they'll be coming down the pipe pretty soon. Um, yeah, I, I had a hell of a weekend. <laughs> yeah, you went to PAX, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, I went to PAX on Friday. Um, I, um, me and Brian Verderosa, host of Talking Movies. 
Um, we recorded comics and coffee in the car on the way up to yeah, great camera work. On the way up to, was, yeah, the camera was was the shit show. Um, <laughs> the way up to Boston, um, spent Friday all day at PAX East, and then Saturday and Sunday uh, hanging out with uh, our friend Brad, um, which which was great. Uh, played some board games, played some uh, Jackbox Party Pack, nice, uh, which was awesome. Uh, we learned a new. Uh, I bought a game of packs called Boss Monster, which is like a card-based game. Oh, cool, game. yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it took a little while to learn, but once we learned how to play it, it was a lot of fun. What was that other game that you were talking, you posted a photo of it, and I went to their website, and there's like no indication as to when it's coming out. Oh, Skip Trace, you're talking That's about. That's it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, One of the coolest things about, um, and if you guys want to hear all about packs from people who were there all three days playing a ton of games, listen to Talking Games this week, because I'm yep. sure there'll be a lot of talk about it. W- one of my favorite things... I- I was only going to be there one day, so I wasn't waiting on any three or four hour lines because sure. I, I wanted to see as much of the floor as possible and do as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. So I played a shit ton of little indie games, uh, which was awesome. I uh, got to talk to like some indie developers, which was nice, just chat with them. But then we kind of I knew they had this there, but I wasn't actively looking for it. They have like an indie tabletop little area sponsored sponsored by Cards Against Humanity, which is just a bunch of indie tabletop games and the creators sit there at the tables and people come down and sit down and they play the games with them and then you hmm. get up and you go and it was like a really first of all it was really nice because we did the like the end of the day so we got to sit down for like a solid hour after oh, walking nice. around yeah. for seven hours or whatever it was but this one game called skip trace so cool so um it's very simple simply play with cards like cards against humanity they're all like one or two word or phrase long cards but it has sort of like an improv Dungeons and Dragons type of element to it. Hmm. Um, the, the the person who would normally be in cards, holding you know the black card and, and judging the, judging the cards hmm. that came to them, is the boss, and they they have a um, a bounty they want to be carried out, and the other players are bounty hunters, and basically um, instead of drawing one card, uh, the boss draws three. It's a person card, a place card, and a action card. Mm-hmm. So the example that we had was. We played a whole round all the way around, but um, Brian got these three. When Brian was the boss, he got three, these three cards. He was at a wedding. The condom king was there, and the action was Barry. And he's like, I had a job with the condom king. I lost it uh, because I fucked up my job. I want you to help me bury the hatchet with him. That's your job. And you have like these item or action cards in your hands. Um, or I think they're all item cards. All item cards that you put down up to two of them and you paint like a story so i'm like okay so you messed up your other job it was maybe you had a drinking problem to prove to him that you didn't have a drinking problem you show him a sobriety coin and that's one of the cards i had okay you know and then i'm like and let's face it he makes a lot of money as the condom king but he's hit a ceiling with how much money he's gonna make so he needs new fresh ideas and you're gonna bring this new patent called the probinator which was one of the yeah. which was one of the cards and i was like and this is how you bury the hatchet with him and, and everyone does their thing like that. And whoever the, the boss likes the best gets the bounty card. And, wow. Yeah. So whoever tells the best story. Basically. Or the story that tickles that certain person. In, uh, I enough. like that. That's cool. It was really cool. Um, it's supposed to be out soon. Uh, they're doing something called uh, the uh, Tabletop Deathmatch mm-hmm. that Cards Against Humanity does every year where they have like a bunch of indie indie board game people like can, you know basically have a contest to see who would be like the one that Cards is going to push for that year. Right. Um and they're in the finals for, for that. Uh, really, really cool. They're from Long Island. Oh, uh, wow. Which I didn't even know until I, I subscribed like on their website for the notification. When the email came out, there was like a like a billing address for the for the office, and it was in Comac. 
Oh, cool. Um, which was pretty cool. So it was so much fun though, and we and it was so great to sit there and just talk to these guys and like and, and have a good time with them. And um, yeah, and the other part of it too, which is a little wrinkle, is at the beginning of the game you get an identifier card, which is like a personality trait. Okay. And that's how you're supposed to role play. Oh, neat. So, yeah. So it's oh. like mine was thinks inside the box. Um, uh, one of them was like can pass as straight. One of them is the epitome of cool, <laughs> and one of them was like sexual deviant. Uh, <laughs> nice. And so it, it was really funny because we were going through it, and Brian had the card that was like sexual deviant, and he did the whole thing, and I'm like, well, that's not you're not really role playing, and he goes, he does this whole <laughs> this whole story, and then he goes, then I jerk off all over it. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> it was just great. It was so much fun. I think it. It's a little bit more complicated, let's say, than cards or, or mm. apples to apples, mm-hmm. but it's not more complicated enough where I think it would turn people off into playing it. You know, it takes two minutes to, to go over the rules, right. and then you're just off and going. Um, and it was a ton of fun. Yeah. It, yeah, it's an extra level. Sometimes you're playing cards, and it's this is a great joke because, and you never get to tell it because. And exactly. here, here it is. Exactly. You can then extrapolate from that and just go crazy. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. yeah, sounds like fun. Yeah. So if you guys, uh, skiptracegame.com is the website if you want to sign up on their newsletter and find out when everything uh, gets going there. But that was absolutely my favorite time of the whole con was just sitting down, playing those games, um, talking to the people who made them. There was this one game that like, we sat down at and it was it was complicated. Like, it seemed very complicated. It was kind of like a two-player like tactics game. Um, and honestly, they told us the rules so fast and Brian and I were just like, okay like we have no idea what we're doing yeah. and there's no like I'm, I'm gonna sit here and do this because these people are very nice and we, we sat down here but we're gonna walk away after this right we got we, we played a couple rounds of it and like once we were in the middle of like the second like go through mm-hmm. i bought the game because i was like this is awesome like you know it's just like a lot of fun what's that one called it's uh it's actually it's like dungeon tactics or something like that okay um and it was just a, it was it was it's a very complicated rule set to get in two minutes all spewed at you but once you're actually playing it it's not really that complicated you know yeah if you've played like any sort of like rpg or turn-based video games you get it you start to you start to get it Mm -hmm. very quickly it usually takes me about like a round or two just to just to get the flow of the game and then i can jump in yeah but it was was so much fun and uh the the con what i gotta tell you this too this i'm gonna relate it back to comic books and and new york comic-con it is night and fucking day being at New York Comic Con in the Javits Center mm-hmm. and then being at the Boston Convention Center. It was so nice to be at the Boston Convention Center. I mean, there's probably just as many people there every day um, as is at New mm-hmm. NYCC, but I, I never felt like I couldn't move. I never felt like I couldn't get from one place to another. Mm-hmm. It was really crowded, but I never felt overwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. Like the space there is just the right kind of space for that big of a convention. And I, 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 it was the first time, because I haven't been to many conventions in many big places, I was, especially since I've been going to NYCC, where I was like, wow, I can finally see why Stephanie is like, I hate going to New York Comic Con, you know, because of the way it's laid out, mm-hmm. because going to PAX, it was awesome, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it was great. So where else would they even hold New York City Comic Con? There if is it no the Javits. There, no. there is no other place for them to hold it. They're going to build a new so. Javits, but that's probably going to be five six years out. Yeah, yeah, a bigger one. So I mean, we'll see. They're doing a special edition at Chelsea Piers this year. Yeah. So they'll finish before the Port Jefferson construction. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the local local for, for all you for all you local listeners, <laughs> local politics for you guys out there. That stuff's been going on for four years. <laughs> Why? Oh man. But yeah, so that was great. I mean, again, hear more, much more about it on Talking Games. Hear about all like the big games. Yeah, 
uh, Justin and Rob uh, spent the whole weekend there. They'll be coming onto the show to do like a PAX presentation. Yeah. Um, and I know that they're psyched to, yeah. to talk about that stuff. So definitely check it out. Oh, I saw the giant bomb panel. That was awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm sore. I really, <laughs> I really really would have loved to have been there. I should have gone. I really I didn't uh, I didn't get on the ball, and I'm gonna make sure that doesn't happen for next year. I'm hoping that we're established enough that we can you know go there and, and cover the show yeah. and, and you know bring a totally. bunch of information back. Totally. I mean, I decided two weeks before I like went to StubHub and I paid I paid too much for the tickets. I thought it was sold out. It was sold out, but I okay, okay. I got like secondhand tickets, like I bought yeah. them. So like Justin and Raw, like they were like, oh, we're going, and I'm like. At the time, I couldn't jump on it, yeah. and then it was well, just... Well, they sell um, out in, like, seconds. Yeah. PAX East, oh. It's crazy. All right. Well, yeah. next year. Yeah. All right. So, enough about enough about PAX East. Um, let's let's chat about some comic books. Nikki, you're our guest today. Um, you haven't had a lot of time to prepare, so naturally, I'm going to ask you to go first for the lightning <laughs> round. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to get three minutes on the clock while you get yourself ready. And... No, nope, I don't want my alarm. I want... The timer. There it is. Three minutes are on the clock. Nikki, go. All right. So first is Orphan Black number one, which I picked up, I think, a couple weeks ago, but I just sat down to read it. Um, And it's more of a companion comic to the BBC America series than an adaption. Um, And it's done by the writers of the series, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Manson <laughs> and John Fawcett uh, and Jody Hauser with art by Sisman Kudransky, colors by Matt Lop- Lopez. And um, it's really good uh, if you are watching the series, which I am I'm an avid fan of, um, because it, it goes through uh, the first episode in kind of like a recap, but it also adds like deleted scenes, I guess, quote unquote deleted scenes mm. and flashbacks and extended scenes. And you get uh, inside a lot of the characters' heads, which is, um, which is really fun. And um, because it's the writers of the series as well, it, it, you can hear the characters, mostly Tatiana Maslany, talk in your head <laughs> in the different accents. That's awesome. <laughs> and... Um, you know, it's 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 great. I I like it, and apparently each issue is going to focus on a different character. So I kind of like where this is going. Let me ask you. Oh no, I'll ask you at the end. <laughs> okay. Uh, and next is Manhunter Volume One. Uh, Mark and Draco with art by Jesus Says and Jimmy Palmiotti, and it's about Kate Spencer, who's a federal prosecutor who decides to. Um, when Copperhead is released, uh, when she lost her case, she decides to um, break into the police headquarters where there's evidence and um, metahuman hunting gear. And she breaks in and she becomes the manhunter and basically kills kills them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just basically about her journey. And she's 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 a messed up character, which I appreciate. And um, I think Laurel should have been Manhunter instead of Black Canary and Arrow. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and where am I on time? You have 25 seconds left. Doing good. Doing good. Um, I haven't finished Manhunter. I just picked it up because I had like a half an hour to prepare. But it's so, 
so good. I, I like it so far. Uh, right. That's all. all right. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> nice job. For such short notice, great job. Thank <laughs> great job. Um, all right. Steve. Oh. Steve, oh, you had a question. Oh, I yeah, did. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. Who is your of the pro, of all the personalities on Orphan Black? Which is your favorite? Uh, or characters, I should say, not personalities. They are. Which which clone is your favorite? Allison. Oh She's yeah. So funny. Really? Yeah. yeah, it's Allison. She's why? Because she's hilarious. She is funny. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I like the messed up characters, messed up female characters. They. Uh, especially the ones who pretend that it's all okay when it's really not, and you could see them like crack yeah. under the pressure. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, some of the, the, a lot of the interactions between her and her husband are, are pretty hysterical. Well, I, she had me when she called Sarah ugly, even though they have the same face. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up. It is. <laughs> All right, what do I got? Three minutes? You got three minutes, Steve. Excellent. And go. All right, so I picked up a book um, over, I guess, the following last week called Hinges, book one, Clockwork City. It's by Meredith McLaren. And um, it's a it's an interesting book in that it is very brief in, in terms of story and, and what's delivered here. Um, what we have is a young woman. Um, she's... I guess I guess a puppet or a robot. She's she's got hinges on her, um, and she wakes up and essentially wakes up in this giant clockwork city where everybody is given kind of like a station in life and a job, and is assigned uh, what they call odds, which are like kind of like pet familiars that follow them around and aid them in their jobs and whatnot. Um, she wakes up and essentially goes around to all the different jobs available and finds that she's not good at anything. Her odd keeps sabotaging all the different things that she gets uh, to do. And in the process, uh, one of the places that she wrecks, there, that person's odd gets damaged, and she then mends that odd through sewing. So she's now disrupted the order in this clockwork city, and the clockwork is now broken down. She's, you know, the cog that doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. um, things are starting to come to life, and it all ties back to this uh, kind of like stopwatch medallion that's around her neck. Um, the artwork is really beautiful. Uh, most of the book is kind of the sepia tone, whereas other stuff are lots of like violent blues and greens and yellows and stuff like that. Um, like I said, a little bit thin on story. It, it's kind of like a pre-credits sequence, but I'm intrigued enough to get the second volume and, and check it out and see what it has to offer. Um, I think Bobby's going to talk about it, but really quick, uh, I absolutely loved Guardians Team Up number one uh, from Brian Michael Bendis and Art Adams. The art was phenomenal all throughout, and it was just a lot of fun. It kind of felt like a almost like a sequel or a follow-up to the Guardians movie. Whereas like the other Guardian stuff in Marvel has been fun and been cool, but this so far has been my favorite thing that I've read with them involved um just really felt like a nice follow-up to the film what do i got 49 seconds yeah um nailbiter and Hackslash uh presented from uh joshua williamson and tim seeley this was a absolutely perfect perfect crossover um double-sided so you get both a nailbiter issue and a brand new hack slash issue where characters from both sides collide 
and go and hunt uh, two different serial killers born out of Buckaroo. Doesn't really do anything to push the story in uh, Nailbiter forward, but is a really nice creative break and the meshing of those characters. They form kind of like a team-up situation. Uh, it's perfect. They they met, they blend together really, really well. Uh, it's one of the best crossovers I've ever read. Done. All right. Awesome. What is Hackslash? Tell me. Nailbiter I've read, so, but Hackslash is new to me. <laughs> um, it's funny. Like I was wondering, I'm reading this, and I'm like, when are they going to get to like the backstory to let people that don't know who Cassandra is, who she is? And they sum it up in literally like two sentences, and it was okay. perfect. Um, her mother was... There's like a certain brand of undead serial killers. They treat... Um, characters like Chucky and uh, Freddy Krueger and Jason mm-hmm. Voorhees as if they were real people. They're not? <laughs> um, and she, her, her mother was one of was, was one of these things. She was like a cafeteria lady that was like chopping people up and serving them. Oh, I want to see that movie. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right away. She, she's pretty much taken it upon herself to get rid of these undead serial killers. So she goes around and hunts them down with like her bodyguard, Vlad, who is an undead that she <laughs> went to go and take down one day and then discover that he's kind of like the Frankenstein's monster where he is friendly to a to a degree uh-huh. he'll still smash some heads and stuff like that but um you're nice to friends. him he's nice to you back kind of deal. yeah okay and there's a possibility that cassandra's mother might be tied to buckaroo oh so yeah really cool the way that they blended that in um like i said it's a it's a perfect i would love to see like a whole arc and not just a yeah. one shot but maybe in the future maybe yeah. they meet up again i don't know okay now i bought someone for christmas the nail biter first trade okay would they love horror movies? My friend Ed, who played a zombie in our movie, yeah. right? Would they like something like this? Would they be able to get into this, you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, one of the greatest things, in my opinion, about Nailbiter is... I'm taking a really long lightning round here. Oh, that's right. Um, one of my favorite things about Nailbiter isn't just, like, the characters of the story. I love the the lore of Buckaroo. Mm-hmm. Like, we're finally starting to see where it's going and get a, get a direction. I won't spoil it for anyone, but... I like the idea of like the serial killer of the issue or the serial killer of the week and just some of the stuff that Joshua Williamson, I mean, we talked to him about it a mm-hmm. little while ago that they come up with is just either so creative or so disturbing. And I love meeting those different killers. I think it's very creative and very cool um, because this is double sided. It's you get two different buckaroo you know slashers or 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 killers or whatnot so you're getting you know for one dollar more you're getting double the amount of content and you're getting outside characters that really are brought into the story so well that if you weren't reading hack slash i guarantee you there's going to be some people that are going to look for some old trades to go and check it out perfect yeah that's gonna go on the list cool nikki are you a nail butter fan yeah i love it i decided to trade weight it though so gotcha. um, I have like a couple of issues. I had to buy the one where Brian Michael Bendis guest starred. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's the last issue that I read. <laughs> um, so Steve, I, I don't have much more to say about Guardians team up than, than you said. Okay. Um, it's I, I have similar feelings. I thought it was very fun. And I thought the art was, was, was pretty great. Um, yeah. It's funny to me. And this kind of spins off into talking a little bit about some of the secret war stuff that got announced this week, which was part of kind of our itinerary. Um, which one of those things was Guardians of Nowhere, um, which is by Michael Bendis and Mike Diodato Jr. 
Um, and um, at least the cover um, features Gamora, Drax, Angela, and Rocket. Um, we don't know. Uh, I don't know who the entire cast is going to be, but um, we have that book. And what I thought was funny is that book was announced, which is obviously Guardians won't be running. Regular Guardians will be running during the event, but they also announced a Groot uh, ongoing series yeah. that's going to happen after mm-hmm. Secret Wars is over. And I just sat there thinking, I'm like, there, there is now what? There's Groot. There's going to be Gamora. There's Rocket Raccoon. There's Legendary Star Lord. There's Guardians of the Galaxy. There's Guardians of the Galaxy Team Up, um, <laughs> which is a weekly. Which is a weekly. There is, uh, and and Howard the Duck is technically a spinoff of right. Guardians of the Galaxy. From They're the still movie. running Black Vortex, right? Yeah, it's running Black Vortex, which is accompanying all these other books yeah. in, into one. But it's like seven books spinning out of Guardians of the Galaxy, and I, I just think it's funny how sneakily somehow. I think there is more Guardians of the Galaxy books than there are X-Men or Avengers books. Yeah. Guardians is the new Avengers. What would you say, Nikki? Guardians is the new Avengers. It is, yeah. right? That's um, going to be like uncanny Guardians. Yeah. <laughs> Funniest part. Secret Guardians. Guardians. In Guardians team up, they run into the Avengers. Yes, they do. And then it's, it's just a meeting of the two huge, hugest teams. I like, I like the joke. They're like, who's even on this team now? Yeah. Because there's so many new faces if you haven't been reading the newer stuff. And they're like, is this really the Avengers? Yeah. The the one page, my f- absolute favorite, I liked the whole thing, but my favorite page is Hawkeye is sitting and he's eating a sandwich just like by himself, yeah, yeah. just finally get, gets a break and he sits down, he's eating a sandwich and he just sees this giant ship like stroll past the window and he gives one of those exasperated like just oh yeah his like, head goes down here we go yeah you know sandwich ruined <laughs> hawkeye was a standout i think in this issue too he did a lot of a lot of fun stuff why is he so much funnier than he is in the films when are they gonna do that with well him? to be fair he's been in the he's been in like 15 minutes of one movie <laughs> i want jeremy yeah. renner to to have more of a of a spot and be able to develop that character. He, he was so also much... uh, mind controlled. You I gotta know. give him yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like this, this is this time though. This whole thing, this was a common sentiment after the Ultron trailer happened. People were like, oh, he's nothing like the Hawkeye in the in the books. Uh-huh. And I'm like, guys, he's not at any chance to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and silly and like and like the uh, in the movies for me, especially like look, w- in the comics, kind of silly, doofy Clint, like you can accept it because you're a comic book reader. You know Hawkeye's a badass, mm-hmm. and it, but from in a movie, he is the dude who just shoots arrows. So if he's next to Thor and Iron Man, he's got to do be doing like badass yeah. stuff, or it's gonna be like, what the hell is the, the purpose of this <laughs> this guy who shoots here? arrows, yeah. you know, with these other people? Yeah. yeah, we've gotten to see Natasha first in Iron Man Two be yeah. amazing, yeah, and so she can do oddball mm-hmm. things and with Cap put her feet up on the dashboard or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hawkeye hasn't gotten to that point yet. Yeah, and also Black Widow, her brain is part of her powers, right? Her, That's true. Really, what she doesn't, mm-hmm. and Hawkeye is much more just like a soldier. He 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 needs to be physically engaged and really to do what it is that he needs to do. Um. And, uh, you know, but I, I, I would love to see like Netflix series Hawkeye that would be with him getting to be like Matt Fraction, David Aja, Hawkeye, mm. um, I think would be great. Um, this first set runs well. You never know. You never know. You never know. Um, what's, the, what's the name of the, sorry, uh, the what? actor who plays, um, 
the main guy in Pacific Rim because there was a fan art of him fan casted as uh, Fraction's Hawkeye, and I can't get that out of my head. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie yeah, That's why I didn't say his name. Sons of Anarchy guy. Yeah. Yes. Jack work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Renner's a great actor, and he's shown in, in other stuff that he can be. Yeah, that's all funny. I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, want, I, want, I want him to have yeah. his his yeah. moment. Yeah, he's had a couple of cool moments, and he's he's always good. I just I want him to take more. Oh, of, yeah. a, of a center stage. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, wor- he's worth it. Well, uh, we've definitely heard. I mean, we should probably just talk about the trailer at this point because we've talked yeah. so much about uh, the movie. I, I we we've heard right that because they're not in any other movies that Hawk, Hawkeye and Hulk are going to have bigger parts in the Avengers than just about anybody else because for those reasons. Okay. Um, it's th- those are going to be the times where they focus on them. Um, we've also heard that Hawkeye will end up being in civil war at this point um, in, in some way or another, wow. but uh, so yeah, the, the Avengers age of Ultron trailer dropped. I believe it dropped on Wednesday. It was supposed to come out on Thursday, uh, but we tweeted enough that it came out on, <laughs> on Wednesday. We really, we really got ourselves together and helped that corporate machine yeah. promote their movie better. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the Avengers Age of Ultron trailer came out, and uh, Nikki, I want to know, what did you think of it? I, you know what, it was funny, because I was at the uh, the um, Silver Snail Black Canary Cafe, and all of a sudden, I look up from my laptop, and like all my friends at the table, the, there's a big table there, which we call Big Barda, because it's a big table, <laughs> and... Um, all of a sudden, they're they're just like focused on one screen, and they're like, "Oh, oh my gosh, no way!" And I was just like, "What what's going on?" And then all of a sudden, I see on Twitter that it dropped. I'm like, "Oh man!" And then the internet started started frazzling out on us, and like I got like halfway through the trailer, and that was disappointing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the half that I saw at the time was like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh!" And then hours later, when I saw the rest of it, it was it's pretty crazy yeah <laughs> How, like, that one that one shot of them all like leaping into battle like the slow motion shot that had me <laughs> yeah is that your favorite moment in the trailer i think so but that last shot with vision yeah. that 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 yeah that was amazing <laughs> <laughs> uh steve what did you think of it uh i only watched it once really just once wow I am, I, I'm trying to hold back. I already saw the other, that first trailer. Mm-hmm. I watched that like 30 something mm-hmm. times. Um, for me at this point, I am, I'm just, I'm so there already, like pre-ordered the whole bit. Um, but I'm hanging on. I love James Spader. Like I watched the blacklist just for him. His something about his voice. I have a thing for voices that I really, if I dig someone's voice, I'll listen to anything they say. I'll see anything they're in. Uh, Ultron, I'm I'm so stoked to see what they do with him. We got a little bit more from Tony uh, and Bruce about you know the origin or where he came from, and just Tony screwing up and creating yeah. artificial intelligence. And it's just we got a little bit more Quicksilver, a little bit more Wanda and stuff like that. Really curious as to how Wanda and Quicksilver tie in. Cause I see a lot of scenes with them with Ultron mm-hmm. and that him like kind of culting them over to his side. And then I see them with the Avengers. And I'm like, are they like, you know, 
are they cool or are they <laughs> just, you know, are they undercover? Like, what the hell is going on? Um, the movie's just got me so pulled in. But at the same time, I don't want to oversaturate myself with it because I know my memory. And if I stop now, by the time the movie comes out, it'll be like brand new again. And I'll just be like, <laughs> oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it, it looks great. It looks really, really great. Um, and the Ultrons, a, a bunch of Ultrons looks a lot cooler than a bunch of Iron Man's. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, before the trailer came out, I had kind of had this whole like, you know, it's going to be out soon. It's in, t- in two months. I know I'm going to see it. Obviously I'm in, I've seen all I need to see. I don't need to watch another trailer. And then I watched the trailer like 20 times. I was like <laughs> examining like every frame from it, trying to figure out who's in the back of the moving truck when Ultron, the, the Ultron standing on top of, you know, when, when uh, Black Widow picks up the shield, there's someone standing in the back of that truck. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't see it. I, I looked at like trailer breakdowns and they like, <laughs> yeah, they like Still blew, screenshots. Yeah, they blew up images of it. Oh my God. Um, it's Stan. It's Stan, yeah. Uh, Bob, what, what, how did you feel about it? I'm twice as bad as Steve. I watched it twice. <laughs> but for the same reasons, I don't want to watch the whole movie before it comes out. What I loved is the first trailer was the big stars. Mm-hmm. And this, there's a lot of secondary stuff going on. I love the idea of Wanda and Pietro on the other side mm-hmm. because they can't use Magneto. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're going to play out just the way they did in the comics. They were bad guys mm-hmm. who wanted to be better. And so I think we're seeing that. And the, the sequences we're seeing are pretty spectacular oh yeah yeah i mean quicksilver and the x movie was great it looks better here i i, I want to i can't wait to see because you get a little very little bit yeah. of it obviously he punches cap in the face and that in that one in that one shot um we don't get too much of him yet uh but but i think for the same reason why joss whedon made hawkeye on the bad side in the for the first mm-hmm. movie is if if quicksilver and scarlet witch were good the whole time they would have no space for them on screen That's, you know it, yeah. there's too many people to have on screen what I'm excited about, and Joss Whedon has said this, that you know they use the Hulk a lot more in this. Like he's in the background a lot more. He's just he's he's the Hulk a lot more. He's like we're not just using him, putting he's not the front and center on every shot that he's the Hulk because it costs a lot of money to make the Hulk, and we need to you know that's what he says. He goes he's in a background of shots. You know he he he's you know he's out of focus. You know behind people he's he's making it in and out of every, every little bit of the movie, which I think is a great mm-hmm. a, a great thing. Um, yeah, I mean Spader. The thing about Spader's voice is he's that some somehow he is both incredibly intense and incredibly relaxed all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like he's so relaxed that it's just too intense yeah. to deal with. Because, <laughs> that's how he is on the blacklist. That's no, why yeah, I watch it. Yeah, that's how he is all the time. You know, it's like yeah. that voice. And you, you, you can feel the intelligence behind when he's speaking, um, which I love. And, uh, you know, I like how they covered... They covered very briefly, like you said, how Ultron gets created. Mm-hmm. We got to see a little bit of the science bros together yep. um, doing their thing. And then, I mean, obviously that, that one shot is like, the money like shot. superhero porn. Yeah. You know? I love yeah. the, um, that line. I can't remember it verbatim, but when he was, um, I want people when they look up at the sky to, to see hope. Yeah. And I'll take that from them first. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> man, wait, that is cold. Yeah. And I, I think it's funny because somebody t- talked about this. Somebody wrote this, but that shot when they're all doing the hero pose, there's like one soldier on the right side of the screen. Really? <laughs> it's not going to end well for that one soldier. Does he have a red shirt on too? <laughs> I saw uh, it was a meme of uh, Hulk. Like they, they stilled it in that thing. And mm. in one of his hands that's kind of coming onto screen, he's holding a cell phone, taking a selfie of everybody <laughs> behind him. It's pretty funny. Uh, and I do, and I, I gotta say, they, we didn't show too much of it, but I like the the look of Cap's 
costume mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and there's like the colors and everything. I like there's like a richness to them that I think were was missing in the in the in the in the, uh, in the first Avengers movie. Um, but it still looks like a cap costume, not like the. Yeah, the one, yeah, with the soldier, with the soldier one. one. Yeah, yeah. They always find a cool way to like to shoot again. Him picking up his his helmet. Yeah, you know, like that tight <laughs> shot of mm-hmm. like the war torn yeah. helmet picking it up, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, yeah. it's on, it's, it's game yeah. time. And I can't wait to see whatever this internal kind of nightmare stuff they're going to do because that's what Scarlet Witch is doing to them. Yep. I can't wait to see what that stuff is going to look like because it's going to be weird and. And, and and pretty probably probably freaky and and I can't wait to see that kind of different twist. And it's soon. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. very soon. Less Beginning than two of months. May. Yeah, less than two months. May first. Oh, that movie is going to make so much money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. much money. <laughs> we had an interesting question on the forum that uh, from Jonathan. In the books, it's a little different, but his his question got me thinking. On the Vision's forehead, it's mm. a solar powered gem in the books. Is it? Could it be an Infinity Gem? This is this was a lot of people on the forums were talking about. This. Okay, I don't think it is. Because I think like that's just what the vision looks like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's probably some reason why. Um, I just don't know if they're going to cover any of the Infinity Stone stuff in this movie. I okay. think that they're going to leave that. I don't feel like they want. I, I don't think they want anything in it to make it feel like it's a setup for another hmm. gotcha. movie. You know what I mean? That's just my opinion. I'm like I could be yeah. totally wrong. Wasn't there a shot of Tony or somebody wielding Loki's? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Loki's staff. Yeah. The staff of influence or whatever the hell yes. it is. Yes. Um, Nikki, do you have any other thoughts on the trailer? Um, I only watched it the, I guess twice, one and a half times, yeah. <laughs> uh, for the same reasons as um, as uh, Bob and Steve, um, but yeah, I can't. Uh, the only thing is, I can't believe it's so soon. It just yeah, feels like this like far away concept, and then to have it in that trailer, and then it's less than two months away. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, can't wait. Absolutely. What has the misfortune of coming out May eighth? <laughs> probably nothing big. Usually, usually they they make like a space yeah. after that. Clear that the May, way. Yeah, that May first movie. Um, yeah, that that is a great trailer. There's been a couple of great trailers that have come out in the last couple of weeks. Did you anybody watch that Tomorrowland trailer? No, I saw that that went up today. The, oh, yeah. the one that we saw at the con was great. Yeah, so. it's yeah. freaking amazing. Yeah, I saw I saw like a lengthier one not too far back. It came out the, yesterday. Oh, no, I definitely didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty freaking awesome. I've been Netflix binging <laughs> the last few days. Um, so, yeah, so that's the Age of Ultron trailer. Let's move on to Bob's lightning round. Um, Bob, I got three minutes on the clock for you, and go. Well, speaking of Avengers, I'm going to start with Avengers 42, where, sadly, even Jonathan Hickman writes Cyclops as being a schmuck. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there is a page where we see Valeria eating some ice cream, so at least there's that. Uh, and this issue that, of course, is the last rest stop before the toll as... Two months. Time runs out. <laughs> Harley Quinn 15, where Harley has another terribly bad day as New York City erupts in chaos. And with Poison Ivy's help, though, she crafts an internet wanted so she can find some new assistance to help out. So next issue, it's the Gang of Harleys. Oh, no. Yeah, it should be great. Operation Sin number three, Catherine Immen and Rich Ellis are giving me my Peggy fix now that Agent Carter has run its course. And it's 1952, Peggy and Howard are on a mission to Russia which now includes a spaceship, Hydra, and a werebear. I like werebears. Yeah. And the art is just really amazing. Great covers and fun inside. So if you're a fan of the show, try that one out. It's a really good book. I tried something really nutty for me. Star Wars Princess Leia, number one. Mark Wade, the Dodsons, Terry and Rachel, and Jordi Belair. And you get some real depth about Princess Leia just because you see what it was all about for her. The loss of Alderaan, how she gets to be a princess, the queen, all this other stuff. 
and you get some of her gumption. She's a real take charge lady doing all sorts of Leia stuff. So if you're a fan of these, try Princess Leia and you'll not be disappointed. Speaking of sp- ladies in space, from Dynamite, they're doing their own little Elseworlds things. It's Vampirella Altered States by Nancy Collins, the horror author, and Francesco Mana, not Francesco Francavilla. He is everywhere, though. And here what you have is an Elseworld of Ella Normandy, who's the last survivor of a spaceship from Earth that crashes on the planet Draculon, as opposed to the other way around. So you get some neat reversals and twists on the classic vampy stuff, some really cool art, and it's just a fun read. I, they're also doing a Doc Savage, Shadow, and a Red Sonia in the same sort of vein. And she's, she's covered. She's yeah, completely she's covered for the, for the entire <laughs> issue. Uh, then we have Lady Killer number three, Joel Jones, Jamie S. Rich. I spoke about the first two issues last week, and the third issue is the twist on a twist, as William Holden's screenwriter character says to Audrey Hepburn in Paris when it sizzles. What you have is a story that opens on her hosting a party for her birthday, ends in a chase scene. And there are forces after Josie, but will they? Will her handler David Peck be a friend or a foe? Dun, dun, dun. No, you have to read issues four and five to find out. These are hard to come by, I'm hearing. I mm. uh, yes, got very, very lucky thanks to Rob, and there's a trade coming. But for now, if you see these, grab them because you're going to have a great time. That's it. All right. I Bob. just caught up with the Lady Killer. Oh, are you are you today. digging it? Yeah, I love it. Um, I managed to find the last issue two at one store um i think they just got in the second print uh editions but i found like one first print of the second issue and i was so happy um but yeah i'm loving it um i'm is it a mini Yes, five issues. Now, if it's doing as well as it seems to, will they come back again? I'm sure there are more stories unless they've really rung down the curtain at the end of five in such a way that they won't do this again. Dark Horse, I'm shocked that either they didn't think this was going to sell at all, because, mm-hmm. or this is a much bigger success. We don't know if we don't have any sales we don't numbers. We don't have any sales numbers yet. Because everyone's telling this story that uh, it's all sold out. You can't get this. No one has it. They go on websites. It's now quadrupled quintupled it's crazy numbers and i I'm, look i'm loving this book this is a little series this is not superheroes it's not some big earth changing thing it's just a great idea done really well that's mm-hmm. pretty special though love these covers they're all sort of old magazine covers from the 60s sort of reimagine it's the, the the fonts and whatever and this sort of it's the hit at any party with this poisonous badge of <laughs> bunch the giant skull shitting out of it there it's just just really amazing uh shouldn't see that page shouldn't see i'm that fairly page. certain i i could be wrong but i think that's in previews this month for the uh the trade, trade already yeah awesome pick up the trade it'll read great together as it does individually mm-hmm. but yeah um, i couldn't find one or two and by that time i was like it's five i'll just wait but, yeah um, oh yeah i'm pre-ordering definitely cool beans so, all right that's awesome. it awesome mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'm going to do mine. All right, here we go. One, two, three, boom. All right, uh, Rat Queens, number nine, Curtis J. Weeb and Stepton Sedgwick. Um, Nicely done. Uh, obviously taking over for Rock Upchurch on art duties, and we're pretty much picking up exactly where we left off, uh, um, I guess, issue eight at this point, however long ago that was. And uh, I think that's slight to its detriment just because it's it's kind of tough to pick up right from there. Sure. But I think uh, art is looks fantastic. 
the writing is as sharp as ever and I, I'm so excited that we're back to monthly series for Rat Queens again because it's just so good. Um, similarly, Saga uh, number 26, another awesome, awesome issue um, introducing uh, a new character and some new wrinkles to some old characters. Uh, I absolutely love the uh, the Prince Robot, the fourth, being kind of like a regular cast member now <laughs> and kind of, uh, you know, um, uneasy allies uh, with, mm. with our heroes and having our heroes separated, I think is, is a great move. Um, I love the political dynamics that are happening. I love the characters that are being introduced. It just continues to be amazing. We're 26 issues in, and I think it just gets better and better every issue. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about for most of my time actually is, uh, not a book, but a, a movie that I saw over the weekend, which is, uh, Kingsman, the secret service oh. uh, directed by Matthew Vaughn based on the Mark Miller and Dave Gibbons uh, graphic novel called The Secret Service. Uh, and Matthew Vaughn, I think, is a great director, and I have really enjoyed, all, um, I think, all of his movies. I think I say I've enjoyed all of his movies. I might like this movie the best of all of his films. Um, I think it's at least as good as Kick-Ass, and it wow. could very well be better. Hmm. Um, what I, t- I tell people is, you know that fight scene in the hallway with Hit Girl? That amazing yeah. fight scene. Yeah. That's like every single fight scene in this movie <laughs> is that good. You know, wow. it, it's uh, Colin Firth is awesome. Um, he, he the 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 way it kind of it, it's encased in this spot, this this like kind of mm-hmm. almost sixties feeling spy movie. Yet it's in the in modern times. Um, it, but it never really makes fun of spy movies at all. Um, but it does have a lot of fun at being in love with spy movies. I think and really taking those conventions to another level as far as how wacky they get much in the same way that kick-ass does the right. same thing with superhero stuff. Um, much like that movie as well. The movie is ridiculously violent, um, but it shows you all that violence. It does not let you have a breath from that violence. Um, but across the board, Mark strong, awesome in it. He and not playing an evil bastard in this movie, <laughs> playing a very, very good, good guy character uh, across the board. I just, I, it, it's, I haven't seen, a movie that's made me smile this much in a very long time um, across the board. Just a great, great movie with great performances, great effects, uh, a great ending. Everything about it nice. is awesome. Soundtrack, amazing. Um, I can't recommend it enough. And my movie-going experience was amazing because we were in this theater with these chairs, like these reclining black leather chairs. Where'd you wow. go? It was just, a, it was, I was in uh, Massachusetts. Oh, right. But it was just like a normal, like, you know, a cinema delude, d- d- you know, theater, but they've changed their director halls into these like 60 seat, like six a row, um, reclining, wow. ridiculously comfy chairs. It's seats. like going to the movies at Brookstone. Yeah. It was amazing. Like I would just, I forgot that I was in a movie theater. I was like, I just want to sit here the whole time. <laughs> Oh, you, let's just stay here the whole weekend. What do they get for that ticket? Actually, it was the same price as if you got a ticket normally. Wow. Yeah, so I, I don't... Hmm. I think they're... What my friend Brad was telling me was they're competing with a theater that opened recently, like a brand new theater that's sort of like an sure. Alamo Draft House type of thing, yeah. which is all about that. So in order to kind of combat that, they've started renovating their theater. But it was awesome. Group trip to Massachusetts yeah. for Avengers yeah. 2? Yeah. yeah. But the movie... Oh, man, I couldn't... I can't even tell you that. I was just in love with the movie so much. Um, yeah. If you, like kick, awesome. if you like Kick-Ass, you, you'll love this movie. My friend Chris went to go and see it over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, instead of hanging out with me. <laughs> um, and he came back and he said that it was amazing. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's just... There's so much style. There's just like style dripping from every corner of that movie i love movies like that it's so good it was so it's good. been a while since i've seen something like that that you can you can say that about yeah 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And it made me want to read the book, you know, and I, I heard the book is very close. There's some slight differences here or there, but I, I definitely want to check out the book now. Um, but yeah, so I want to just quickly run over these. Bob, you mentioned Avengers. Time is running out in two months. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few weeks ago, we went over ev- all the stuff we knew about that was going to happen when time ran out. But I mentioned the Guardians of Nowhere book that got announced. A bunch of books got announced this week. I just want to run them down for people. Mm-hmm. And if anybody has something they want to say about them, we, we can obviously talk about them. Uh, Weird World by Jason Aaron and Mike Del Mundo. Um, this is uh, this is from the IGN story. If you thought Jason Aaron's previous Marvel work was weird, he's just getting started. USA Today revealed Weird World, a series that pays homage to various 70s-era sword and sorcery comics. Uh, Weird World will star Archon, barbarian and former enemy to the Fantastic Four and Avengers as he navigates the chaotic battle world domain and battles all manner of man and beast. Throws lightning bolts because a big X and a big <laughs> attitude. Awesome. Uh, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve, I'm assuming that that combination is making you in for it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love Mike Del Mundo's art uh, a lot, and Jason Aaron is one of my all-time favorite writers at this time. I just had a like a lengthy tweet discussion with my boss. It was either yesterday or the day before, like all about Jason Aaron, just like openly talking about mm-hmm. him for several tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I re- I'm really, really enjoying his indie work, but I like the the sensibilities and the gravity that he brings to the Marvel Universe when he gets to work with and the stuff that he did with Thor, God of Thunder, and now the regular Thor. Um, and then particularly Wolverine and the X-Men, his run on that... Uh, just the way that he really brought all of those kids to the forefront and gave them all personalities and enriched their powers. And we even got uh, an issue where we, we jumped into the future and got to see them all grown up to see who they turn out to be. And um, just a really, really satisfying uh, character series. Yeah. So, yeah, if he's doing something weird, both of them together, I'm so there for that. <laughs> Absolutely. And Nikki, if you're interested in any of these, you chime in as well when I, after I, while I go yeah, through Yeah, just them. tell me to shut up. <laughs> um, so uh, 1872 by Jerry Dugan with art by Evan Doc Shaner. Um, it's, uh, so it's uh, 1872, it takes place in 1872, features cowboy-themed versions of heroes like Steve Rogers, Tony Stark, and Bruce Banner. Um, Steve Rogers serves as sheriff of a town called Timely, as Amish Marvel's original mm-hmm. publishing name, who is forced to deal with the new trouble when Stark and Banner roll into town. The burdens of the kingpin only further complicates matters. Um, they also released mm-hmm. sort of like character art and stuff for this over the weekend, uh, which I thought looked really, really great. Um, I loved, especially loved the Steve Rogers kind of sheriff of, mm-hmm. of the little western town uh, look. You know, obviously in the vein of something like Marvel 1602, just a different right. a different time period. And particularly, I did this as a book of the week months and months and months ago. There's a uh, Justice Riders mm-hmm. where they did the JLA back then. Wonder Woman was the sheriff. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, I, I think it looks really cool. I, yeah. I, I'm ex- I, that's one of the ones I'm excited about definitely to check out. Um, so yeah. So uh, then there's a uh, Future Imperfect. Uh, Peter David and Greg Land. Uh, so. Let's see here. Uh, for, I'm going to read. I'm reading from the IGN. George story. Perez, first time around. Yeah. So it's a, quite a come down. <laughs> for many readers, me. the miniseries Incredible Hulk: Future Imperfect was the high point of Peter David's long seminal run on the Incredible Hulk. Uh, not, it could be. Not I'll only disagree. is the Hulk's. Not only I'm going to let Bob say his full yeah, piece yeah, in a second. Yeah. Not only is the Hulk's evil alter, alter ego maestro factoring into the current Hulk comic, he'll be the star of his own Secret Wars tie-in written by David himself. Um, which sees Maestro battling Marvel's heroes in his own corner of Battleworld. 
So, Bob, what is the original, and what do we think about this new it's one? It's alternative future. The Hulk is now king of the world. Okay. Big, big beard. Mm-hmm. I mean, giant throne room sitting there, and surrounding him is the shattered remnants of every other Marvel hero, busted shields and hammers, <laughs> and he's taken out everybody. Okay. <laughs> and the story is you told through Rick Jones, and it's Rick Jones, big. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I was making a face because hyperbole is always fun. It might really be Peter Davis' highlight. Mm-hmm. And it's it's uh, nowadays. How many issues is this one going to be? Uh, I don't think it says how many issues. It's okay, it was be. only two the last time around. <laughs> yeah, two sort of square bound issues that really was the highlight of that year, which would have been what ninety four somewhere. It doesn't say on the story I'm reading. It's back there somewhere. Uh, I don't dislike Greg Land as much as everyone else seems to. <laughs> you know, it was George Perez before, and it's going to mm-hmm. be hard to combat that. But you need someone hyper-realistic, to, I think, to make this come off, to make it seem right. So that's the guy uh-huh. in, in this, unless you're having Alex Ross do it. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, this, I have not been interested in too many of these so far. This is one just because it's Peter David I'll pick up. Yep. Uh, they're also bringing back, an E for ex- is, is for Extinction, they're bringing back the Grant Morrison X-Men. Uh, Chris Burnham, who is obviously a longtime <laughs> Grant Morrison collaborator, is writing the book, not drawing it. Um, being drawn uh, by Ramon Villobos. Um, you know, it says, uh, another popular era for the X-Men will become back into play during Secret Wars. Uh, Comic Vine has revealed that Grant Morrison's new X-Men era team will be subject of a series called E is for Extinction. Um, Morrison himself won't be writing, but as Batman Incorporated and the nameless collaborator Chris Burnham will. Um, the series takes its name from the opening story arc of N- New X-Men in 2001 and will focus heavily on characters like Quentin Quire, the Stepford Cuckoos, um, Angel, Ooh. and Beak. Magneto also stars as the leader of the X-Men, have apparently been in his facade as Zorn. So there you go. I like that character roster. Yeah. I, you know, as much, I have a bunch of that run. I've never read it as much as I love Grant Morrison. So I'm interested to see what that is. Obviously, it's not Grant Morrison writing it, so my, my, uh, obviously my excitement is somewhat dampened well now you've got joe the barbarian it's true it's true um guardians of nowhere which we mentioned before by michael bennett and mike diodato jr um and that's nowhere like the inside of the skull uh uh, the the, yeah it's it's the severed celestial k-n-o-w where um so it's gonna be a mystery story set in nowhere uh mrs deadpool and the howling commandos (laughs) is that written by jerry tugan (laughs) so uh so writer I'll read this from the, verbatim from the story writer Jerry Dugan won't be ending his involvement with Deadpool just because Wade Wilson uh, will be dying soon HitFix has revealed that Deadpool's current bride the vampire queen Shikla will be the star of a new monster themed comic called Mrs. Deadpool and the Howling Commandos Shikla will be leading a team that includes Werewolf by Night the Living Mummy and Frankenstein yep um, yeah. so it, and I love the, the the cover is freaking cool mm-hmm. so cool um, Nikki, I hear you laughing. Has this piqued your interest? Um, just by how ridiculous it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when um, I heard like, when I heard Howling Commandos, I was like, "Oh, what are they gonna do? Oh, it's actually monsters." Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reminds me of um, the team that showed up in Daredevil. Yeah. For those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot of the same. Like, a few of the same people, right? Because that yeah, was Jack well, Russell. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, Giant size little Marvel AVX, which is a return of the A babies versus X babies with uh, Scotty Young. 
Um, we also got Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, mm-hmm. Kelly Thompson, and David Lopez writing that. Yeah. It is the, <laughs> it's the Banshees yes. from the World War II story mm-hmm. now. Yes. Um, fighting alongside on Hala Field, which is yeah. the, the area of Battle World that Carol will be uh, inhabiting. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And obviously Kelly Sue DeConnick, so keeping that continuity uh, uh, together. Hala Field? Yeah, Hala, oh, like Cree Homeworld. Cree, Cree Homeworld. Not like, not like Hala, the bread you make French toast with. Or like Hala. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say, founded by Gwen Stefani. Right, what the exactly. fuck's going on here? Yeah, yep. Uh, Squadron Sinister, written by Mark Guggenheim, with oh. art by Carlos Pacheo. Um, so it says, writer Mark Guggenheim has tackled the Squadron Supreme franchise before via the miniseries Supreme Power, Hyperion versus Nighthawk. But Marvel.com has revealed that he'll be taking tackling a more old school incarnation of the team during Secret Wars. Squadron Sinister brings back the original and much more villainous incarnation of the Squadron as seen in the Avengers number 69 and number 70 yes. back in 1969. <laughs> this Squadron rules a domain of Battleworld known as Utopolis. Bob, I know you're a big Squadron Supreme fan. Yeah, and the Squadron Sinister, basically, Roy Thomas created an evil Justice League. It's Dr. Spectrum, mm. you know, the evil wizard Hyperion. Uh, and then, that again, a year or so later, they, they visited another altar planet and found the Supreme. The bad versions were really bad from mm. back, back in those days, and they gave the Avengers all they can handle. So this could be a lot of fun. Now, what is this world they're on? Utopolis. Utopolis. <laughs> Utopolis. Yeah, why not? Uh, yes. So cool. Yeah, I mean, Bob, I know, only thing I know about Squadron Supreme is the stuff that you've told us about. Yeah. So I knew that when that came out, though, that that would be something you wanted to hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's move back to uh, Book of the Week time. We haven't done we haven't done any Books of the Week yet. No. 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 We took a little detour there. It's okay. Nikki, what's your Book of the Week? Uh, my Book of the Week is Grayson number eight. Um, I love this series, but it's always one that I forget about. And then when, when I find it in my pull, uh, pile, I get really excited. Um, and not because, not just because Grayson is like half naked all the time, (laughs) um, but shirtless variant, (laughs) but if you, if you guys know this month is the, um, the movie poster variant. Mm-hmm. month and Grayson's is my by far my favorite because it's Enter the Dragon but with Grayson oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways it's the last issue before Convergence um, so it's kind of just uh, tying up some stuff um, but the whole thing is Grayson um, he's believed to be dead by most of uh, the DC universe um, but Batman convinced him to stay dead and, um, just it's this organization called Spiral and, um, he does so and he's still trying to like keep his, uh, keep his morals and keep, you know, like he doesn't like to use guns. He, he just, he's just trying to do the right thing, even though he's in this, uh, this quote-unquote evil organization. Um, And with this issue, he's going up against um, something... How do I... This is what what happens when I don't have enough time to prepare. Um, (laughs) Doing fine. 
I'm not blaming you, Steph. Love you. <laughs> um, he's okay. So throughout the series, the head, the leader of Spiral has been kind of hinting at that there's a leak, and the whole time you're thinking it's Grayson, and they're like, and you're kind of like, oh no, they're gonna they're gonna find out it's Grayson, and they're gonna kill him off. And here you find out it's not him, and you have to deal with the repercussions there. Still trying to be pretty vague. Um, <laughs> but what happened me with this book was just how funny it is. At one point, um, at one point, Grayson pulls a holy something Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it had me cracking up. And, and with this, um, he's also teaching at the Spiral Academy. So in the beginning, you have all these girls kind of like ogling him and they think he's gay and they're all they have this whole conversation where it's just like, yeah, you know, Paris is gay, too. But that doesn't stop me from wanting to climb up on its Eiffel Tower. (laughs) (laughs) It's just it's just great fun all around. (laughs) Um, And uh, how do you feel about the dynamic? Helena is the his kind of like partner, right? Yeah. um, Helena Bertinelli, I should say. (laughs) Yeah, this new Helena is quite different, um, mm. but she's still badass, so it's all good. <laughs> Have you guys well, read the Future's End issue? issue? <clears throat> yeah, I read I read the Future's End issue of the yeah. book, yeah. Um, uh, how, have you, how have you felt about, do you like the kind of spy genre type of stuff that they've been doing with it? I, I like it. I think it's kind of DC's version of Black Widow. <laughs> Hmm. except this one's a little bit more shirtless. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shirtless. <laughs> like, he's more of an eye candy than black widow is and black widows, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> and he's also, he's also a little less dark than black widow. He's, he's, doesn't have as much personal pain as, as black widow does. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting to see how well they've done with him doing that, taking him out of the Nightwing role mm-hmm. and, and putting him into this other role. And I think they've done a really great job with it. Um, you know, Spiral's sort of like the the specter of the you know the the DC um, universe in, in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Um, featured heavily in uh, Batman Incorporated for a while as well um, as kind of like the opposing force there. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I think it's been, it's been really cool. I haven't I'm not all the way caught up, but what I read, I had a great time with. Yeah, the last like two issues that have come out, I've heard really good things that I wanted to. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll pick up the trade and get mm-hmm. caught up. It's not coming out for like well, another just, four it's months. It's yeah, yeah. So it's like so much for that. I'll, I guess I'll read it in like you know 2018. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, were you a fan of like? Did you read Nightwing before you started reading Grayson, Nikki? You know what? Before before New Fifty Two, I didn't really like Nightwing at all. I thought he was kind of boring. <laughs> um, Bobby, you know this. We're we're Tim Drake fans. We are. We're Tim Drake. Tim Drake peeps. <laughs> but uh, post New Fifty Two, Grayson's actually become one of my favorites, and especially now that it's it's the Grayson series. Um, mm. Much like with Batgirl, where she's in her new environment outside of Batman's world, um, Grayson is very much that, but with a very different tone. So I, I'm really liking where all these uh, Bat family spinoffs are going. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. and I think Dick Grayson is one of, a very interesting character because 
He's one of the few characters in all of comics that goes through significant changes and lasting character yeah. changes through his entire kind of comic book career, right? Going from Robin to, to Nightwing to this, you know, and, and all throughout, he just, he changes as a character to Batman, back to Nightwing, now to Grayson. <laughs> you know, he gone through a lot of changes and, and he's one of the few that they stick, you know, that they, that they continue to be part of his, his character as, as he mm-hmm. goes along, um, which I think is very interesting about that character. Uh, but yeah, so that's Grayson number eight, right, Nikki? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Steve. Hi. Wh- hi. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? I'm uh, I'm good. All right. Getting a little hungry, but I'm good. Why don't you tell me? We still got like an hour left, dude. So you better. I got buckle some. It in. I got some protein power bar <laughs> Snickers things over yeah. there. When we take our break, I'm gonna munch <laughs> on one of them. So tell me about Spider Woman number five. You talked highly of the second half of Spider Woman number four <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah, the second half. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said. In issue number four, um, the book seemed to have snapped its fingers, shake off the you know the remnants of the Spider Verse event, and just have a whole new attitude. And that's kind of what this number five is all about. I mean, it might as well have been like a five point one, just to like really you know visually let people know that they can jump onto this. Um, so what I'm really digging about this this approach to Spider Woman is this might sound silly but it's totally true she is like uber liberated in in ever since she decided to spoiler she leaves the avengers in issue number four she's like i'm done i need to do my own thing every time i turn around there's another crisis there's another alien invasion like i can't do anything normal ever and i need a break and Cap's like, yeah, but you're going to be there when we need you for, like, the really big stuff, right? She's like, oh, of course, but, you know, otherwise, I'll see you later. So she decides to, you know, go out and be her own hero. And in this issue, it's never been more obvious that she is not taking any shit from anybody. <laughs> um, she meets, she's kind of like, she decides she's going to go off on her own. And she goes to this old office that she bought with Avengers money like a while ago. And she just, she rented it out or she bought it and never did anything with it. Assuming that one day she might need it. So she goes there and she's followed by uh, Ben Yurick. And he's, he's kind of trying to coerce her into playing this sort of detective role, kind of um, like a la Kate Bishop from Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Um, and she's not quite sure that she wants to do that specifically. She knows that she wants to fight crime, but she's still in this like my new world, my terms kind of thing. She doesn't want somebody coming in and telling her what she should do. Um, so she decides to go out and like find whoever she can find her own villains and do her own thing and winds up in a really, um, terrible situation for a superhero where she doesn't realize that now that she's out of that Avengers umbrella, that the things that she does that could be considered like vigilantism has consequences and has a price, both, you know, uh, socially, mentally, and um, there's three things, Mm. Uh, like monetarily, like the city has to pay for, you know, the thing that you threw through the window of the 7-Eleven the other day. That's, you know, 60 grand to replace that whole storefront or it's probably more than that, but you get my point. Um, so she's kind of like relearning what it's like to just be uh, a hero out in the city. Um, I should probably mention, uh, this was written by Dennis Hopeless with, uh, pencils and colors by Javier, uh, Javier Rodriguez. 
and uh, Alvaro Lopez on inks. And my God, I mean the the art is a is a very big improvement from the previous issues. But particularly the colors that are used in this issue are just absolutely gorgeous. Oh my There's gosh, whole... they were great. Right, I, I took a minute in that one page. Uh, uh, the when one she's scene. renovating the office. Yeah. Yes. I, I can't stop staring at it. Right. That's the, those are the two pages I have open in front of me right now. There's the scene where she's like she is going to this office that she bought and whatever, and she decides that she's going to break one of the walls down and make it bigger, or maybe live there, whatever. And the whole time that she's doing this, like the sun is setting and it's pouring through the windows. Ben's trying to uh, talk to her about what she's going to do with herself. And he's saying, you know, if you want to live a normal life and you want to help normal people, help me. I'm normal. I'm not a super powered whatever. And I have a problem. But the whole time that they're doing this, they're kind of having this like tete-a-tete for like somebody telling her what she should do. And her whole point being, I don't want to be that person anymore. And so she's breaking down this wall with this giant sledgehammer. And for every point that, you know, each character makes, she slams into the wall again with the hammer, really driving like the emotional beats of that conversation with the visuals. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really cool. And there's this one panel of her like peeking through the wall that she just broke down. And she's just kind of like tearing at the, at the bricks. And she's talking to, uh, to Ben He's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm renovating. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it's on so many more levels than just breaking yeah, down the so wall. It's a great metaphor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so really, really cool, um, you know, art and story working together and um, just cool bike sequences. The, the action sequences are, are hyper colorful and there's bullets flying everywhere. Weird, um, like, I guess, villains that are running around that we've never seen. They look kind of ridiculous. But there's a porcupine. A, there's a twist. <laughs> there's a twist to these people that she's going after. And of course, the plot just ends up being much bigger than you first assume. Uh, and yeah, I mean, all I really have to say about it, aside from all that other stuff, is this book is finally where where I want it to be at in terms of being entertaining and really lending to this character and letting her kind of, you know, shed her skin and do her own thing. It's a shame that it took five issues to get there, but that's kind of what happens some, sometimes when bo starting out books are part of a, of a bigger event and a bigger story. Um, and there's a lot of nods. One more thought. There's a lot of nods to like all of that stuff. Like it's, I wouldn't say it's meta, but it's very self-aware at times. Like there's this point where she's battling, she jumps and she's just like, she's like spider woman, butt. totally yeah, a callback yeah. mm -hmm. to, to that, you know, horrendous cover, uh, that, that came out of the, the, the misconstrued cover. And she even talks about like spider verse and how it was, you know, this thing she had to do and it was exhausting. And, you know, they crack jokes about like, Oh, what does Spider-Man, you know, call himself when he's in a room of 15 different Spider-Men and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of poking fun at having to be a part of that. Um, not doing it in a mean way, but just pretty cool that the the writer, Dennis Hopeless, is kind of like weaving a commentary about how this book got started and having it be a part of the mm -hmm. story. Um, yeah. So very clever on his end. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, did you guys, did you guys, blah, yeah. did you read it? Sorry, guys. <laughs> yes. I absolutely loved it. This is the first issue that should have been. Quite frankly, it's a wonderfully engaging jumping on point. If you know nothing about this character, you get what you need here. 
the callbacks included in her original solo series, she was a private detective. Mm. That was her whole mm-hmm. deal, having come out of Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything else. This totally, for me, fills that Hawkeye, She-Hulk void that's there now. And forget the other four issues even existed. <laughs> just, just if you, it's that Avengers Assemble vibe that you were getting before with Jessica. That there was a, yeah. it's a real deep person had some really bad things happen, but she's going to get through it. She's going to stick her chin out and take a step forward and go. And it's here. And whether it's just crazy stuff with the porcupine, the stuff with Yurik is really great as he sort of guilts her into thinking about what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. But in a, in an oddly paternal sort of way, he is an older fella. Yeah, so it's a much different vibe than we're used to seeing in a lot of these books. I really loved it. Absolutely charmed by this. Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you the the biggest comment I can pay this book is that I get some serious Daredevil vibes. Yeah, from reading mm-hmm. the book, and you know, Bob, it's one of those things you've talked about it before. Like you mentioned, like that that She Hulk hole that you have, mm-hmm. or that Hawkeye hole. Like Daredevil is like that book. You know, Daredevil is an amazing book, and this is, this I feel like can slot right next to it. Um, I mean, it's only one issue, and obviously, we'll have to see how it develops. But this one issue, uh, I, I feel like it hits a lot of those same notes, and it, it bringing her, you know, bringing her down to street level um, with very small villains. You know, the, the problem that she's facing is not one of global importance; it's one of the, it matters to a few people, and that's it. Um, and I love that that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Uh, but it's going to be vital to her, obviously. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that shakes out. You're absolutely the colors. I mean, you're looking at the page right now where she's on this motorcycle, and there's yeah. this like you know these this these missiles like hitting behind yeah. her, and she's silhouetted you know against it against the orange, and it just looks amazing. And uh, you know that that one shot where it's a very close up of her eyes, and you're seeing like the reflection of the city in her in her sunglasses. Yeah, um, I, I think is is stunning. Like. Uh, uh, colors popping much in the way kind of like the colors in like Rocket Girl pops. Yeah. Um, Javier Rodriguez is, you know, I've talked to him a bunch of times, especially leading up to this book, colorist on Daredevil for a a ton of issues, um, fill-in artist on on a few as well, and now finally gets that monthly chance to show how great he is. Mm -hmm. And I think here it's without question how great of an artist he is. Um, The panel layouts are super cool too. Yeah, yeah, it's just... Front to back, it looks great. It's my favorite thing that I've read from Dennis Hopeless. You know, wow. um, I, I've read, a, you know, I've read, I've read a huge body of his work. To be fair, but everything that I've read, this is the standout for me in, in reading stuff. Um, just love the, and I, I did exactly what you were just saying. I didn't read the first four issues at all. Mm-hmm. I read the first issue, sort of. I couldn't even get through it, and then <laughs> I, um, it's because it just wasn't what I was looking for. You know, I. Yeah. I, I I wasn't looking for a tie-in book to Spider-Verse. I was looking for something else. And this this is that book for me. Um, I can't wait to see where it goes. Nikki, what did you think? I I reviewed it for the site. Um, and it it was it was spectacular. I love this issue so much. <laughs> it was uh, when I'm trying to sell it to people. On Wednesday, uh, when I first read it, I was like, this is basically Batgirl meets She-Hulk. And um, the art blew me away. I love uh, the fight choreography and the panels. Um, The only thing I don't really like is the arrows pointing to movement. Um, It's the one thing I didn't like. (laughs) But it only shows up like twice. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, I think you're saying. Yeah, Yeah, that's a little bit weird. 
Yeah, so there's one where she's like zipping up her jacket. And that one isn't so bad, but then there's the one with her flying kick. And yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But other than that, I I love uh Jessica Drew. Um when I started getting back into Marvel uh, a couple years ago, I read a lot of the new Avengers stuff and um I just loved her character. I loved her brand of sass and snark. And um seeing her here as a as a fully realized character messing up you know um humiliating herself but still coming out a hero it's it's a great um uh, it's the first issue that we deserved <laughs> yeah um and it's, it's interesting me reading scenes like that opening scene right and also the, the prison scene that comes mm. very soon after it which are both subverting your subverting your ideas of what's going to happen in the scenes and it's interesting because I see it, I see it everywhere, especially in writers who are around my age. There is such huge Joss Whedon influence uh, on the way those scenes are structured because that's like his bread and butter scene, right? It's like eat badass scene. Nope, not really, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. And, and, and it's you know obviously he's not the first person to do it, but it, he was a big proponent of it at the time. And you know Dennis Holbus is around the same age as me, and I can tell like immediately that that. that that it reminds me so much of scenes from Buffy and Angel and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, um, and I mean that in the, in the highest possible comment. It's not ripping it off, but it's yeah. just it's just my, my highest possible compliment for stuff like that. Can I pose a question to the table? Yeah. The webbed armpits. Yes. What's up? Like, does she use those in her? Yes, she does. She did. She, she, okay. She could sort of fly. She she would glide through the air on those. Spider Man started with those. Mm. She doesn't in, have webbing, does she? No. She's okay. not she's not related. That's why when Sony was gonna make right, a Spider the, Woman the movie, they couldn't make okay. this, right? Yeah, yeah. She's you know, spider DNA oh. from her dad who injected her to save her life. <laughs> All right. I've just I've always people very divided on the the webbed armpits. Yeah. I could never get into them. I, I no, love I, it. I loved I love them on Spider Man. I love I, I think they look really cool. <laughs> they make no sense for him to have them, but I always thought they looked really cool on Spider Man. I just always figured it was like a flying squirrel thing. It, yeah, it sort of for is. Her it is for her. Yeah. It is okay. yeah, for her. It yeah, is totally understandable. Not for Peter, but certainly yeah. for Jessica. We had this question. That, uh, Brad Pinder on the forums asked. He's like, "Can she still fly?" I know it's an off-again, off-again ability, on-again, off-again ability, just wondering if she can currently. Um, she doesn't fly in this book, and she obviously no. is dependent on not flying for some of the stuff that happens here. Um, you know, I don't know enough about the character to know what, what, if, what the hell goes. completely powered flight. This yeah. isn't Superman. Right. You know, the wind currents. The gotcha. way certain spiders can mm. drift through the air. Because in Team Up, she's flying. She's like, looks like she started flying. Oh, she was flying in, in that yeah. Guardians Team Up. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what the deal is with that, but... Um, I would think that it, with a manner of what they're going to do here, that her flying would kind of go against the street levelness of the character in a lot of ways. Since her flying would be in, in a big city as New York is, yeah. just sort of between buildings right. or whatever, she can yeah. get from one side of the street to another. She can't fly from here to right. you know, yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh Blast. or something. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. gotcha. Gotcha. I never really understood that either because I've only kind of dipped in the character here and there. Mm-hmm. Like I've read the uh, Bendis miniseries, um, which gave her whole origin and stuff like that. Uh, that one of the Luna Brothers did the art for. I don't remember which. Uh, I believe which it was one. Jonathan Luna. Yeah, um, which I really liked quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But again, that doesn't cover any of that sort of stuff. No. So, um, but yeah, Spider Woman number five, fantastic stuff. I'm so glad that you guys liked it. Yeah, oh. it was awesome. It was exactly. It's funny because things are so rarely exactly what you wanted them to be. And this is this is this book hit all the points 
that I wanted it to be coming into this number five. Right. Like I wanted to pick it up, read it, and be like, this is absolutely going to be on my pull list from now on. You know, and it, it did that. So cool. Yeah. Take a magic marker where it says five, right? One. <laughs> <laughs> You'll all be in good shape. You know, it's one of those things where I just, I just hope that it doesn't. I mean, listen, maybe doing what they did for the first four issues helps the series. Maybe enough people are reading it who were reading Spider Verse, wanted to see what the what was happening with the tie-ins, and hung in just long enough yeah. to get to here. And, okay. they, and maybe they stay on. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, like I read a lot of Spider Verse. I didn't read everything, mm-hmm. but I read a lot of it. Um, I didn't. I was interested in in all the pirate stuff and and her her end of it. She was a very integral part of how that all like yeah. ended. Yeah, I know she was. But I think my issue is if you're going to start a book called Spider Woman Number One, like it shouldn't be. Oh, absolutely, Spider Woman and Silk. Yeah, I, I'm just yeah. saying for for personal whatever. Like right, I right. was. The first issue really shook me up, and I was like, "Ugh!" Mm-hmm. But the more the more I got used to that being the setup, and knew that it wasn't going to be around for too long, I got interested in her part of it. I just thought it was interesting. I like mm-hmm. pirates. I yeah. the whole double agent. Uh, she looks exactly like the other mm-hmm. the other queen totem thing, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um. But I was totally ready once they switched it over. That's why like it was like a light went on in that mm-hmm. fourth issue where I was just like, "Oh, there it is." Like, yeah. there's the book yeah. that I wanted. Hey. Yeah. So, cool. I'm really glad that it that it's now like, you know, it's it's going down up the hill, down the hill whatever. Yeah. Whatever I mean, direction. uh Justin talking games co-host Justin Townsend, we talked about the book and he said, you know, I was reading it because I I wanted like a more Spider-Verse stuff mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it for that. I thought it was really good. You know, that's what he said. So, I I think obviously it's what you're what you're coming to it for, but I think this is great because it is truly a Spider-Woman book yeah. from here on out yeah um and i can't wait to see what happens with it all right bob okie dokie <laughs> um i guess in some senses because of nostalgia and the passing of leonard nimoy what i chose for my book of the week i was in flux but it's star trek new visions from idw ascent of ghosts is the title of this chapter number five now this isn't a traditional comic book this is a fumetti Though in, in Italian comic books, that's every comic book. Fumetti actually means puffs of smoke from the little word balloons. Ooh. See, you learn stuff here. <laughs> uh, but here in this country, what, what it has taken to me, it was Harvey Kurtzman, who was with Mad, had a magazine called Help in the early 60s. And two of his contributors were Terry Gilliam and John Cleese from soon to be from Monty Python. Nice. And so there are actually help issues with the two of them in. What it is, is John Byrne has a ridiculous memory for Star Trek, the original series. So these are screen captures and photos from the original series reconfigured into a new story with new creator-generated backgrounds and characters to create a brand new story. This, in essence, for all fans of the original Star Trek, is season four of the five-year mission. Hmm. Now, what we have in this, in this one is a sci-fi mystery that takes place in both the Enterprise's present and past, as they've picked up, um, how do I? Oh, I'm just—I'll spoil it. We we pick up the mysterious and reserved first officer from Captain Pike's Enterprise, the female first officer number one, now become a commodore and about to head to her first command. Okay then. As they travel through, they discover the ship she was going to now has nobody on it whatsoever. They find a city-sized spaceship flying around. We then flash backwards to the Enterprise from 
15 years before finding it, along with their castmates, uh, Mr. Spock and Scotty, who are hanging around. There's all sorts of lovely bits of science fiction and throwbacks. Number one, who in, in that original pilot, The Menagerie, where we first saw her, was played by Major Barrett, who would play Christine Chapel, the nurse on the series, and would eventually marry Gene Roddenberry. Hmm. She's in, I think, every Star Trek show somewhere. She's on Next Generation as, is it Deanna Troy's mother? Hmm. I do believe. She shows up everywhere. She's the voice of the computer. I actually knew what you were just talking okay. about. Okay. Yes, that's, that's a first. That's a first for Star Trek because I've seen I've seen a couple of the seasons uh, now when I'm in Canada and I actually knew what you're talking about. Yeah, this is a proud moment for me. <laughs> See, there you go. Uh, number one was really the most fascinating character to come out of that original pilot. First of all, in 1965, you had a, a female in charge of what amounts to an aircraft carrier, was really very forward thinking by Mr. Roddenberry and, and the writers. Great performance by Major Barrett. And it, it didn't translate to the audience at the time. They loved the actress, hated the part. So he kept her in the, the next run of the series. So to have that character back, it's really fascinating to watch John Byrne, who's a fan and of that original pilot, play that out. He originally did a miniseries, a traditional comic book drawn miniseries, using that character back in before she was even on the Enterprise. So these are pricey. They're $8.00. And you're not getting a comic book. There's a lot of work goes into that. It's also a pretty hefty tome. It's about a comic and a half, and there's a second feature. In this case, a uh, Mr. Spock story set back on Vulcan. And it comes out bi-monthly. So it's about a f- $4 book, two of them glued together. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of the original Star Trek, you need to be picking this up because this will fill the void for all these years, we haven't had a fourth season. It's right there. So it's Star Trek New Visions, A Scent of Ghosts, the photo novel by John Byrne, following in the footsteps of the ones they did back in the 70s, mm-hmm. one of which I have here. I don't only have six. There were 12 of these. I only have six. These were hard to come by. But anyway, that's it. All right. All right. Um, for my book of the week, uh, I chose the other Jeff Lemire book that came out this week, uh, Descender. Oh, so uh, Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn. Um, image comics and you know i i think we've become accustomed to really kind of one of two type of jeff lemire book right the dc or marvel dc until and only until now um you know superhero book drawn by someone else written by jeff lemire and then the other side which is the auteur written drawn everything done by jeff lemire mm-hmm. uh book and i i think that pretty much you know for for us who are big Lemire fans that other stuff the stuff that he does it's all himself is the stuff that tends to be the great the really really great stuff the the stuff that you don't forget Um, with Descender we have something a little different right which is creator owned work by Jeff Lemire but Jeff Lemire is writing it and Dustin Wynn is doing the art on it so um, it's a little bit of a different thing for us when when we come into these books however uh, what we get out of it is I think one of the best issues of the year so far. And one of those books that hits all of those like centers in my brain that loves certain kinds of mm-hmm. stories. You know what I mean? Um, it's a, uh, it's a sci-fi story. Uh, 
the, the best way I can describe it is sort of like a Battlestar Galactica type of world, right? Where there's this very advanced modern mm-hmm. civilization and they have a lot of working AI and, and, um, and, you know, robots helping them out. And this one kind of super scientist uh, gets called up because these giant, these like ridiculously giant, like Galactus sized robots have shown up hovering over the major earths of mm-hmm. the kind of galactic federation that these, that these people belong to. And the scientist is called up. He's called up to try to monitor them because if they, if you don't figure out what's going on, they're going to just blow them up. And then they attack all the worlds. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to the title card. That's the pre title card moment. Um, and then we're kind of thrown onto this distant space station on this moon somewhere where this robot boy named Tim 21, uh, it has been asleep for many years and he wakes up to basically everyone that had been around him dead. Um, and what we find out is uh, there's been kind of like a robot genocide that after these robots attacked all of these worlds, people freaked out and they just started destroying all these artificial intelligences. And, and now we're in this place where this, this Tim 21 is the last of his kind. He's the last robot. He's woken up and now they realize he's there. So they're going to go and get him basically um it was really great i mean it was it was exciting it was at times the the first stuff with tim is i think genuinely kind of creepy and scary um you know being alone on this space station not knowing what's going on uh it has little like twists and surprises built into its own little narrative you know like it, it sets up larger world mysteries but it also is bringing up and and solving mysteries like I, I feel like every other page you know it's like who is tim 21 okay now we know who he is you know who is this guy now we know who he is um giving you all these revelations very quickly i think keeps you going uh, on the small scale while also getting you invested in what's going on uh larger scale uh you know when it began when i started reading it i was like wow this is going to be a really great kind of action sci-fi story or a thinking sci-fi story but then once the little boy robot shows up you realize it's going to be also be an emotional story you know you get the sense that there is going to be tears sometime in my future <laughs> dealing with whatever's happening here in that very like lemire uh kind of way and he puts them into his wine when he has dinner yes <laughs> <laughs> and i you know I, these kind of descriptions are also all, often kind of rote but um it really felt like Battlestar Galactica almost if it was directed by Steven Spielberg. You know, it had yeah. that sci-fi edge to it, but also that heart at the center of it that is like is very reminiscent of what Spielberg does. Um, I, I finished reading it and I just was absolutely, absolutely blown away by by what it was. Um, I can't wait to see what the other shoes are and how it builds on itself. Um, I think it's the most excited I've been about a Jeff Lemire um, book on a first issue probably since I don't know way back probably underwater welders last time I was mm-hmm. excited coming off reading a Jeff Lemire thing um I really like Trillium but this already for me is above did Trillium. you ever read did you ever finish reading Sweet Tooth no I never finished reading Sweet oh, Tooth oh man <laughs> Sweet Tooth is a gusher yeah. but I mean new stuff like a new property by right, him right um so yeah, Descender number one. I mean, Steve, you read it. It was almost your book of the week. What did you think? Oh, it was it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I definitely uh, echo and agree that it's one of the best issues uh, of the year so far. Um, I'm trying to take like little notes throughout the year so I don't forget mm. stuff when we come to our, our awards at the end. But yeah, I uh, it was like the second book in my pile that I sat down to read, 
And it was one of those things that like I was immediately, immediately engaged by it and pulled into it. Uh, it reminded me of a lot of sci-fi movies that I loved growing up. It's funny that you mentioned Spielberg because it definitely had that like Spielbergian, like artificial intelligence kind of vibe to it for me. But like, yeah, totally bigger than that. Yeah, like, yeah, much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And for something that I was reading that like felt so vast and so opened, I f- I felt really close to the story and characters. <laughs> We almost had an accident in the studio. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, the art, first of all, what was absolutely mind-blowing. It's funny, I was sitting here before, and I'm like, oh man, I'm like, it looks like Little Gotham. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, it's the same guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just absolutely beautiful, really, really pulled in the end. And I didn't, I liked the twists and turns, like the the delivery mm-hmm. of information about the characters and the places and what's going on. I mean, even like the super technical stuff, like the rundown of the situation when they're mm-hmm. bringing the doctor in on, on everything that's happened. And I like that the doctor is not this like super smart, perfect, like respected guy. He's this like washed out drunk and mm-hmm. like you got to you know, you better sober up because we've got, you know, celestials breathing down our neck. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, one of your designs is key. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm envisioning this kind of father-son uh, arc or, or just story elements of that eventually happening between those two characters. And I think that's where you're going to get a lot of your emotion on top of these, like, you know galaxy-wide dire circumstances um it just it feels like it it feels like jeff lemire but it feels very outside of anything that i've read from him so far and i just love it when creators that i really enjoy like bring something to the table that's like i'm gonna try this out i really hope you like it and it's like dude this is this is good yeah so i'm i'm super pumped to see where this goes uh, it was over before I had like enough of it. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted more when I got to it. Yeah, and I was just like, like I got to the end, and I'm like, no, man. Like, what? Like, when's the next issue? And I'm like, April. I'm like, no. <laughs> so yeah, great. Yeah, w- Win is an interesting artist for him because he he's more you know I guess realistic or more you know uh, th- than Lemire, but he still has enough sort of impressionistic look to his art where it still really fits, I think, with mm-hmm. what Lemire uh, is doing um, in, in his work. And th- that last page introduces, like, some new characters and new designs that s- seem, like, very foreign to what we've seen so far, and I really like that, that they're yeah. going to go places. And, you know, the reason I love things, like, I mean, it's the reason why the cantina scene in, in Star Wars lights up some people's imaginations because mm-hmm. it's all of these different looking characters like what does this mean where are they from the reason why i love mass effect as far as video games go is that you build this universe by introducing diverse characters and and i just think it, it could be something very special again like everything else you have to see how it shakes out but i i think it has a lot of potential nikki did you read descender yeah i i went to the jeff lemire um signing at the silver snail last week um so i read that and i was just uh totally overwhelmed by how breathtaking the art was Mm -hmm. like i i knew dustin Nguyen was a great artist i i got his art book uh at fan expo last year but 
it was mostly just, you know, Batman stuff and um, little Gotham kind of designs. But to see him draw a world with that scope, it was absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. Like that scene uh, with the giant galactic-sized robot, like I, it actually took my breath away. I was just mm-hmm. like, whoa, this is... If I was watching this in like the theater, it felt like I was watching it happen. Yeah, as if it was a a cinematic um, experience, and that was that was incredible. Yeah, Um, that panel that that two that two page spread where Tim is looking at all of those the screens, like catching up on what he's missed while he's been out. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, like a smaller scale, but I think also like you said, breathtaking. and the universe building. I, I, I'm excited, really excited about this book um, and to see where it goes. Uh, all right. So that's going to do it for our single books of the week. Uh, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about all new Hawkeye number one and then what we're excited for coming out this week. So it is. All right. We're back. <laughs> Steve will never finish that protein bar ever. <laughs> At least not for another 40 minutes. It's sitting right there. <laughs> Tantalizingly close yeah. yet so far away. Yeah. Um, we're back. And uh, we're going to be talking about our shared book of the week, all new Hawkeye and number one by Jeff Lemire and Ramon Perez. Um, of course, we all know how... The Great Fraction Aja run ended. Do we? <laughs> no, we don't, yeah, uh, because uh, it's not. It hasn't ended. Um, issue twenty-two of, of their run has not come out yet. Uh, it's going to be an oversized issue, and uh, they're giving Aja as much time as he needs to finish it. Uh, definitely, the biggest question I think on our entire social media o- over the last week was that question. Like, uh, did I miss the? the end of the other one and it's you didn't miss the end of the other one it just hasn't happened yet and before we even talk about this book i i wanted to ask like um bob what do you think uh, has that ever happened before in your memory that one book's run is not ended before the next one has begun not that i can ever recall mm. i've seen books interrupted mm. in the 70s there was what they called the dreaded deadline doom where it seemed like marvel was putting so many books out they fell very far behind there's a run of, of perez avengers where i think of five issues, three were reprints of old stories with framing sequences <laughs> just to get the book back on time. But they always manage to get a book out every month. It's mm-hmm. a little different now. You, more beholden to creators' needs and wants rather than just putting a book out. You'd rather mm-hmm. have a good book in the right spot. Right. But in the case of Hawkeye, it certainly destroyed a lot of its momentum, mm-hmm. particularly with the split storylines. All that said, every time an issue came out, it was fun to read and it was just great art and great story and something different and special and you want to embrace it. It's going to make a heck of a read 1 to 22. Yeah. We're all going to sit down, I think, and do the same sort of thing. As to whatever, a new, new one starting with the other one in the pipe? No. <laughs> no. Now, we do know from this issue some things. Yeah. 
two things we know for certain. We know Clint and, <laughs> and Kate, Kate survive. Sur- survive the end of Hawkeye. <laughs> As the, everything sure. else? Yeah. Nope. No clue. <laughs> no, we have no idea. We have no idea. Yeah, you know, uh, I think, I mean, obviously there's a direct business reason why this happened. I, I'm sure Marvel announced this series and announced a release date. And we're like, well, obviously it's going to Hawkeye, Fractions Hawkeye is going to be done because we're at issue 20 and we're seven months away yeah. from <laughs> Hawkeye coming out. Uh, and obviously that didn't, that didn't happen. Um, so uh, exactly like uh, when issue 22 comes out, I'm literally going to sit down. I'm going to pull out my books. I'm going to read one to 22 and just take it all in, yeah. you know, and just read it how people in, in a year and two years are going to start reading it uh, for the first time. Um, and I think obviously the delays have somewhat darkened the greatness that book gave us, you know, for, uh, I think for, for one, I mean, for one year, especially one solid year when there was no delays, nothing yeah. going wrong. It was the best, I think one of the best books out there, yes. one of the best books I'd ever read in the superhero genre. Um, and then se- the second year, obviously things started to go wrong as far as delays and stuff like that. And this third year, which is like not even a year, I think like three issues came out this year or something. Yeah. Um, you know, it started to remind me of, because it was some, some, things that happened here that got me in that vein you guys are all too young moonlighting when it was on yes i remember that show it started great and it was wonderful and the banter was clever and every every episode was something you look forward to and then there started to be gaps in between and shows that didn't come out and they ran late and they tried to make jokes about it Mm -hmm. and then weeks would go by and no episode and then months would go by and it would go on hiatus and come back and by the time it finally did come back for its third season i guess it was, it was not moonlighting anymore no one cared right mm-hmm. it was yeah. just sort of over mm-hmm. and the bloom was off the rose and they tried gimmicks and it didn't work in this case this is going to end before we've gotten to that point yeah but we're now in the middle of the train wreck in yeah. a way, and that's that's a shame uh, it's it's a very specific case right and i i, and I think I, steve and i especially missed this kind of period of comics um in the in the 2000s where it was just like like the like the astonishing x-men joss whedon stuff would it would be like really super late you know like all these Mm -hmm. books that were always late uh and and we've had the luxury at least of all the books we really love pretty much come out every month you know with a few exceptions And, and this one there's never been a bad issue of it. It just has not come out. And and that's what I think been the most frustrating thing about it, you know, because it hasn't been limping creatively to the finish line. It's just been in release schedule. It's been limping to, yeah. to, the, to the finish line. Right. It hasn't been limping in quality. No, not at all. No. It's been just as great, but everything kind of gets muddied because you don't get to read it every month and you lose the threads. And I haven't even read the one that came out however many weeks yeah, ago. It was very good. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Like I, I'm sure it was, but like, you know, like you said, reading it when it the final issue does come out and reading it all at once and getting into the vibe and having that continuity and having one issue after the other after the other and you can stay in that world is that that's what took me out of it. Yeah, that's why I haven't totally. read it. If I'm if I'm away from stuff for a while, I forget things. Mm. Like I picked up um, it, volume six of the Amulet series while I was in Canada this last time, and I I haven't talked about it on the show, but I read it and like really enjoyed it and like there were some really really great character moments but i was it's been a year and change since the last one that i've been out of reading it and i like i really enjoyed it but there was no connectivity yeah for me and and just that spark 
for for that series had had kind of waned a little bit mm-hmm. for me and I felt like I had cheapened the experience because I wasn't in the you know in that world. Yeah. So when the other one comes out, I will grab all of my single issues and take a weekend and just relive the whole thing and be like, "Wow, this is awesome." Yeah. Uh Nikki, have you been a, a big uh, Hawkeye fan and has it have you had the same experience that we've had kind of as this has gone along? Uh yeah. Yeah, I've been um I've, I was a big Hawkeye fan, um, and yeah, much the same. There's been a lot of disconnect uh, in between issues. Um, you know, I have the same problem with web comics, and it's why I can't follow them uh, because I would read a bunch of uh, updates and then wait for the next one for how long, however long I'd have to wait, and then totally forget what happened in like the first. 30 plus pages mm-hmm. and um there'd be that disconnect so mm-hmm. yeah i can't wait to sit down and read i might actually get the omnibus cool. depending oh, on how awesome. big it is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um if not i have the first volume um the hardcover so if there's a second one mm-hmm. i would i definitely can't wait to pick that up yeah i mean it was weird because like bad fractions hawkeye like that comic blew up yeah people were reading it there were t-shirts like lots of t-shirts like we love fine had a whole hawkeye thing people were were making their own hawkeye clothes making kate bishop clothes and like the the hawkeye hashtag and all the the bros and tracksuit draculas was actually a thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and there was so much momentum and so like popularity behind this book that came out that really kind of smacked people over the head with how cool it was and to have it go out like that just feels really weird to me that there wasn't more of a push to have it finish strong and not say in writing Mm -hmm. or art, but in release schedule, losing that momentum probably have caused a lot of people to jump off because they couldn't, your average comic reader couldn't follow the thread of when it was coming out. They don't go to, you know, the comic book releases to look at the following week Mm -hmm. or whatever and get themselves psyched. It's just, you know, Oh, you know, that final issue of Hawkeye finally came out and this is like four months after the fact for some people. Yeah. And I I just think find it bizarre of like we don't really know what happened and probably never will. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just an issue of scheduling, right? And, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. delays and, and taking time to do the art and, and, and people being busy. But, you know, well, well, in the end, in the, everyone says in a year, in two years, it's not going to matter mm-hmm. anymore, right? Because no one's going right. to read it that way. People are going to read it yeah. all together and they're going to get the, the experience like it's meant to be had. So yeah, and now we've got a new Hawkeye right to talk about. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say at least for as far as the end of like not knowing what happened, I would rather know nothing than to have it be like a messy public ending or stories right. of who did this and who did that or it didn't come out because of this reason or that yeah. reason. That it is still coming out and people still get to enjoy it at yeah. the end and there's no like there's no crap attached to no. it. No, no, we're gonna have another, we're gonna have Hawkeye twenty two and I'm sure it's gonna be fantastic. Yeah. Um. And now we have all new Hawkeye, uh, number one, with, uh, like I said, Jeff Lemire and Ramon Perez, uh, Ian Herring uh, doing the colors, and with absolutely st- stunning uh, cover uh, for, for a number one issue. Uh, we've jumped in here uh, with a two-timeline two story, uh, Clint and Barney as children in, in a foster home, and then Clint and Kate on an adventure uh, taking out some, some Hydra some Hydra goons. Uh, 
first thing about the book, strikingly, there's two totally separate art styles, right? For the for uh, the the flashbacks and for the present tense, and you know it. it uh, for me, just quickly, I want I want to go to Bob first about mm-hmm. stuff. It it manages to somehow be wholly different from the fractionage stuff, and yet still feel like it belongs uh, in that timeline. Uh, Bob, you know, uh, what did you think of All New Hawkeye number one? Well, I, here's the thing: we just spent all this time talking about the other, which is one of the greatest series to come out in the last ten twenty years. In a vacuum, this is a really fine comic book. In comparison to Da Vinci, it's. I'm a little torn about whether I'd continue. I will, because I really love the characters. I'm going to be interested to see what goes on. I did appreciate the split art style, and as we were talking off air, the Clint Kate stuff does look something like mm-hmm. the Aja stuff. It isn't laid out in as innovative a way. Mm-mm. It's sort of a replication of it, which is fine. It still needs to be original. The watercolor work is pretty spectacular. I don't know that it works here. And I'm a, uh, there's a moment that I was taken in by it until there's a moment of sort of extreme personal violence without you seeing it, but that is so terribly implied that it was hard for me to jump back into then fun, light, bantery stuff. It really hit me pretty hard, which is, I suppose, the point. But it wasn't what I was sort of looking for. We get to that expectation that we were talking about last week. And to me, the bantery stuff struck me as sort of the 80s version of a 30s movie, sort of like the I Love Trouble to His Girl Friday. It just didn't quite come to the other level. If I'm going to put a grade on this, it's still a really solid, solid book, and it's a B, but it comes off poorly to me in comparison to what came before. All right. Nikki, what were your thoughts on all new Hawkeye number one? Um, I I couldn't believe they were the same. It was the same artist <laughs> when I first looked through it, and at first the like that splash page in the beginning with the um, the flashback really confused me. Um, but I I liked it. I liked the the change, the scene transitions. I I kind of like being interrupted um, to go back to the present and then back to the past. And then I really loved when they combined it towards the end. Um, I didn't think that would work, but it worked for me. Um, I. I would like more Kate. <laughs> I would like more Kate outside of bantering with Clint. That's all. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure we'll get that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that I, I, for me, what I loved about the beginning of the book and you open the book, and if you're not looking at previews or you're not looking at you know pre-release art, it, it feels to me almost like an intentional statement, like. It's it's like a it's like a shock value. It's like this does not look anything like the Hawkeye I was just reading, and and to flip through it and go through this this flashback of, of Clint and Barney together. And one of the things I love about it is I love the the continuation of keeping Barney um, a focus of mm-hmm. the book. Um, once again, bringing out characters that that Fraction and and, and Aja, you know brought back into the fold and, and keeping them as important people, important players here. Um, and then all of a sudden we're, we cut to this uh, much more familiar art style for, for the modern 
day stuff. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, it's obviously tough to compare it to what came before it. Uh, and, and I don't like doing that. I don't like comparing things. You know, Hawkeye, all new Hawkeye survives or fails on its own merits, mm-hmm. you know, not, uh, not necessarily on what happened before it. But what I do like about this is I feel like it, it knows what you're expecting and it knows the way that the previous team delivered to you both its humorous moments and its, its dramatic moments. Um, Cause obviously the last run had some very dramatic moments mm-hmm. as well, but this goes, as you were saying in that one scene, it goes farther than that one did and, yes. and, and, and delivers to you. Um, I, I think a much more raw sense of where Clint and Barney are coming from as people. Um, and as we know, right, Clint starts his career off as a, as a villain yep. and, the, you can see the seeds of a very difficult childhood here, which will could lead to making those those poor decisions. Um, you know, I I liked the play between the two scenes. I love that ending where it was showing you the kind of reflection of the past in the present, mm-hmm. um, and the way that Clint, you know, his actions they weren't really mirroring each other, but there was a you were getting kind of it was almost like a flashback inside Clint's head about situations and people he cares about and leaving people behind and letting people go ahead of him who shouldn't be, shouldn't be in a place that he he maybe should be. Um, And I love the way those two things work together there. Um, You know, does it reach the heights of the yet of the heights of that last series? Absolutely not. I mean, it's not, it's not there, but I think it's an excellent start. And I, I look forward to spending more time with Clint and Kate and seeing how they develop. Cause they've said, right. That, that Kate is going to be as equally as important part of this series as, as she was in, in, in the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I didn't, my thing was like, I didn't feel like the banter felt forced or wrong. I felt like there might've been just a little bit too much of it. Like, I feel like, you know, there could have been points where it, it was, it was drawn back. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's a criticism of mine. And there was times during the flashback, that I felt like Barney and Clint looked too similar. Uh, that the, the, the only thing that really separates them is their hair color, and sometimes <laughs> that was like difficult to make out in those in those flashback scenes. But overall, I, I really really um, enjoyed it. Steve, what did you think? Um, I really dug it. I really dug it a lot. Um, I'm looking forward to this being something different than Matt Fraction's series. I appreciate everything that Fraction has done with the character and how he's kind of you know made him somebody a a character that people now really care about um so now you have a different creator different different create creating team i want something different um but it still carries with it uh some of that like bombastic fun from fraction series particularly in like the now parts where it's clint and kate um what i really liked about it was the how the the sequences, the flashback sequences are a polar opposite of the energy and what's happening in like the now or the present day stuff is all the present day stuff is really fast paced. And the whole time that the banter is going on, they're in, they're in action, right? Like they're, they're in this compound in this hydro compound, they're beating the crap out of guys. They're fancy arrowing people. They're opening up locked doors and doing their whole like dual Hawkeye espionage kind of thing. And then 
in a very uh, Nikki said it before in a very cinematic way the the book kind of sucks you back in time and puts you in this completely different place with completely different art. Um, I've been a real sucker for watercolors that seem to be showing up in a lot of books within the last couple of months. There's a, a lot of artists that are kind of delving into those like water pens. And I think that that, that stuff is beautiful. Um, I agree with Bob that some of the story elements, there was one point in the flashbacks that was, you know, quite violent and, and rather jarring, but that's to me that's Jeff Lemire like Lemire is going to uh particularly on Kate and Clint and then Clint and Barney that's relationship stuff and that's one of Lemire's like things that he does in comics that he makes you really care about characters and he builds for them a whole other infrastructure aside from them being the hero he focuses down on the person um and having that bolstering that relationship between him and his brother the idea that these characters are still a part of Hawkeye's world, that he's still running around with Kate. Um, they dated in the past, right? Kate and Clint? I have no, no. idea. I don't think they so. didn't, no, they right? Did not. No, I don't think so. Okay, because I was going to say, they have a very like brother-sister yeah. banter to them. She's much younger than he is. Okay, I yeah, yeah. I get confused about who dated who. I yeah. don't really... I haven't yeah. been around for a lot of, like, yeah. we were going out yeah. with, you know, so-and-so. Um but I like the brother-sisterly banter that they have, that he's, you know, calling her Katie, and she hates it. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, my my sister would call me Stevie or Steven, mm-hmm. and it drove me nuts. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I like the art on, on both ends. I, I, the other, the other art, the Aja art was, you know, a bit more to my style like my preference and what i like in general but i'm not afraid to embrace something else if if the you know the character quality and the content is there to draw me into it and i think it's i think it's a nice step it's you know it's a book that whoever was taking it over after fraction and aja had you know a pretty big order to fill um both with fans and doing the character justice and i i see this as being a very kind of like introspective Hawkeye story. And if that's going to, you know, enrich the character more throughout the run, I'm totally down for that. And we're going to get some cool action uh, besides. Yeah. I mean, I can, and look, I can also completely understand why people who love, and I'm one of them. Like I love the loosey goosey nature of, you know, of the, of the previous run, right? The, the more like, I'm just, you know, the, I just, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, that's kind of like yeah, what Hawkeye's yeah. thing is in it. And there's a lot of silly situations that come out of it. There's some serious stuff too, but mm-hmm. you know, this doesn't feel like a series that's going to birth like a, a story like pizza is my business. You know, like right. you're not going to get a pizza dog type of story a- a- out of this. Um, and I, I think that's going to take adjustment. And for some people that might not be what they're looking for, just like yeah. I think for some people, even a great Hawkeye was, that wasn't for them either. And right. so I, I'm wondering how that's all going to shake out when we go forward. Um, you know, and I, I think that it's interesting, right? Because I feel like we still talk about the book when we talk about Hawkeye, like it's Clint's book, right? But really for the most of the fraction Hawkeye run, it's not, it's, it's, it's their book. Yeah. Hawkeye is a plural in, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in that sense. And, you know, hopefully that, that, that continues here. I mean, I do love that, that part where, you know, he says, I'm, I'm back in the hangar. I'll come get you. And she says, I don't need getting. 
Um, and she, <laughs> sa- she says, look, I'm here. Let's not take this whole damn road trip to Antarctica for nothing. I'm going to check it out. Um, and I, I, you know, I like that there's this whole scene where he's like fighting to get back to her, you know, like, and, and he's n- most of the time the one in trouble trying to fight to get back to her. She's handling herself just fine like, against yeah. all these Hydra yeah. folks. And I, I like how that, that plays out in, in, in those scenes. Um, Nikki, do you have any other thoughts about the book? Um, I, I like the, the notes at the end from Sana Aminat and the creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, in it, uh, Sana says, this series is very much Hawkeye in all forms as Clint, as Kate, as Barney Barton, and represents what it means to carry that legacy. It takes the nostalgia of the past and reinvents it with watercolor, the boldness of the present, and pierces it with wit. This is the next part of Hawkeye's journey, and it's heartwarming, sad, and hopeful all at the same time. Mm. And then Jeff Lemire says, when Sana and Axel offered me Hawkeye, I misunderstood their American accents. I actually thought I had signed up to write a book called Hockey, but now I'm stuck. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I like that. Yeah, You could have written either one. Yeah, Bob, you have any other thoughts on the book? No, not uh, particularly. (laughs) Hit it as hard as I could, I guess. <laughs> I, I'll try another. Mm-hmm. But um, it's but it's I mean, if there, be, if there are yeah. points that you disagree with us about. I want you to no, come back. No, with it, yeah. it's because it. We're all going to look at these things individually, mm-hmm. and it is that. I think the the old series was one of those that struck those people who loved it in a very particular way that it filled a void that didn't exist in mm-hmm. comics until they created it. Mm-hmm. It put something new out there. That in some ways redefine what you can do with a B character, and there have been a lot of other attempts at remaking Hawkeye with whether it was even Charles Soule's She-Hulk, where let's try, let's do a Hawkeye kind of book with that. Mm-hmm. Let's try this, and most of them have either failed spectacularly or been interesting failures that just didn't catch an audience. And in some ways. Would have been better to, for me personally that it ended and ended, perhaps. Mm. Right. To leave it as what it was mm. and not, but from a business sense, right? Yeah. You're, they're not going to do that when you've got this character in movies mm. and you've got a big time creator who's interested in mm. taking a shot at this. So you move forward mm. and we'll see where that plays out for myself and for everybody else. Yeah. See how it all goes. I think it's a very interesting turn of events, right? That in a few years, Hawkeye has become a major, a major property for, mm-hmm. for them. And, uh, you know, I, I think, it, I think it was, you know, like it even says in there that Lemire is approached by them. I think they probably had the idea that, okay, we had this run. We need another team to come in that is different but is the same like kind of high profile right. team to come write this character so we can almost have this kind of be our you know our art like our art book yes. like our legit art book that and our and our critical critical darling book that that continues and you know i i think that you you hit it's like lightning striking with, with the first one and i um, it's tough to recreate that so you have to help it, believe in the creators to be able to do what they do and bring it to a place that they're going to bring it, you know? Um, because, uh, you know, I, this is much preferable to, preferable to me than them 
trying to imitate what Fraction and Aja what we're doing. Yes. You know what I mean? You got you because that would just feel like a false. It would feel cheap and it would feel like a cash in. And um, at least here, whatever happens, they're they're trying something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so that's our thoughts on uh, all new Hawkeye number one. But we have plenty of thoughts from our listeners about uh, about this book, about this uh, Jeff Lemire, Ramon Perez number one. Um, let me get up my, our uh, our Twitter followers here using hashtag TCBOTW um, and uh, talk about what we got here. So here we go. We had a lot of them. This was this might, <laughs> might have been our our biggest uh, reaction because we had them coming in. Um, um, the day of the book coming out wow. uh, without us even like, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> going out for it. Um, this is from Brad Pinder. He says, Hawkeye. It was good to see Hawkeyes doing superhero stuff. Cool art styles between past and present fun and creepy start. Um, Andres, Ger- well, at a G G R G I says, uh, Hawkeye makes me happy, disappointed and annoyed. Happy because story was good. Disappointed because it was different enough from previous run. Annoyed because where's Hawkeye number 22? Um, <laughs> it's on its way. Yeah. Uh, Melina says, looking forward to reading the new Hawkeye for TCBW. We'll get it tomorrow in London. So we'll see later on in the tweet string if she if she got it. Melina! And there she is. I've read the, the I've read it and I got to say I loved it. Story is intriguing and the art is fabulous. Love the time skipping in it. She's um, awesome. I talked to her a lot. <laughs> uh, Dylan Jones says, "All new Hawkeye was a good start. I loved the art for the past, but couldn't quite in, couldn't quite get with the present style." Um, at Tyler ty- at underscore Tyler Edwards says, "It was the perfect transition from Fraction Aja, a larger scale story, but not too large." Um, also says, "And the alternating art story is a thing of beauty. It's so much potential, and the more Kate Bishop, the better." Um, Will Johnson says loved all new Hawkeye the two art styles made for an engaging read Lemire loves the trope of kids in danger um, at Sammy Cassell says liked Hawkeye number one but don't have a lot of background with the characters good but probably not enough to get it in my pile I like the different timelines but dislike the art for the flashback I despise the splotchy art style um, Connor Blake who's at ice cream genius says four <laughs> nice. out of five the coloring especially was great but I'm worried the dual narratives will become exhausting in the long run um, Joey who's at JC underscore Matts says all new Hawkeye number one was perfect mix a fraction run with that Jeff Lemire flair oh um, I know Joey he goes to the snail <laughs> oh nice um, at Maria W. Norris says that giant robot was everything <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she said, "Oh, I thought it was Descender. Oops. Okay, then Kate Bishop is everything." <laughs> um, uh, at Liberal Bastion says, uh, "I liked it. Art and writing were different from Fraction Aja, but still maintained a consistency. Watercolors looked great." So thank you guys so much for yeah. getting back to us and, and responding uh, for our TC Book of the Week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So next week, Steve, you're picking the book. What do you got for us? I I've decided. Okay. I changed my mind from earlier, even oh, though I man. told everybody. Now, this is a surprise now. Yes. Uh, the next week's Talking Comics Book of the Week is going to be Southern Cross, number one. Uh, that is written by Becky Cloonan, with art by Andy Bellinger and colors by Lee Lowridge. 
Uh, I have Belanger. Some, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Belanger. Um, I have a quick synopsis here if you want me to yeah, do it. entice. Now boarding Southern Cross, tanker flight 73 to Titan, Alex Braith is on board retracing her sister's steps to the refinery moon, hoping to collect her remains and find some answers. The questions, uh, uh, the questions keep coming, though. Uh, how did her sister die? Where did her cabin mate uh, disappear to? Who is that creep across the hall? And why does she always feel like she's being watched? Inspired by classic mysteries and weird fiction, Southern Cross is a crucible of creeping anxiety and fear as Braith struggles with the ghosts of her past on board a ship that holds secrets uh, best kept buried. And again, that's Becky Cloonan doing what she does. So... Yeah. Uh, I'm I've been stoked for this book for a while. I've been following the uh the Instagram account of like all of like the the pre-artwork and just lots and lots of cool little tidbits coming out of it. And um I mean the other book I was going to pick was Howard the Duck, mm. which is definitely on my list of stuff. But um yeah, uh, it's from Image Comics if you guys are wondering. So yeah, uh Southern Cross number 1 is going to be uh next week's book of the week. Cool. Awesome. Um so yeah, so we're going to talk about what else is coming out this week, talk about what we're excited about, mm-hmm. which we've been doing the last couple of weeks. But before we get there, um, I don't know if anybody had a chance to watch the new Daredevil trailer that came out this week. I did. Um, but uh, it looked pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we didn't really even talk about the first one that came out. It just kind of fell at a weird time for us. So I just wanted to see after we've seen some stuff now and we kind of get the tone and what it's going to look like. And um, we've got news about how the other shows are starting to come along. How are we feeling about uh, Daredevil on Netflix, Bob? It looks just as what they were describing to start with. Ground level, street level hero. It looks a little like Rex Smith in that Hulk movie, but, you know, <laughs> he's putting together an outfit and he's blind. So mm-hmm. give, give him some slack, you know. It's, it's going to take him a while to find a good tailor. Uh, I've only seen stills of the new trailer. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio looks pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, much looking forward to this. I think it's a really good start. Yeah. to what's going to be an entertaining spate of shows, one hopes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's that great line at the end of this one that says, you know, there's a guy talking about Daredevil, and he said, you know, if he had a if he had a, a mechanical suit or a magic hammer, I can understand why he keeps kicking your ass. Yeah. So they, 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 they started to seed, you know, the the, the whole world. Uh, Nikki, we were supposed to talk about that first Daredevil trailer, like the first time we did Comics and Coffee, and then oh, some, yeah. some ridiculous news thing happened. I think it was the DC post-convergence plans or something, and so we didn't end up talking about it. Um, are you excited about this Daredevil show? I am so excited. Um, when I was a kid, I loved the Daredevil movie. I haven't watched it since, because I don't want to ruin that idea in my head. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. Um, it had me sold with Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but now seeing uh, the trailer and the teaser trailer before that, um, I really have faith in what Netflix is doing with their Marvel um, shows. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think that Vincent D'Onofrio looks amazing mm-hmm. in it. He just looks perfect. Yeah. Uh, um, and he just seems to embody the kingpin. Steve, you said you saw it. So, yeah, how, do you, how are you feeling about Daredevil? Uh, it again, it's the villain for me. I'm really into. I've been since they announced that. I'm really into Vincent D'Onofrio playing kingpin. I think he's going to knock it out of the park. Um, it looks good. It looks really good. I I will totally on April 10th. I will be binge watching it mm-hmm. uh, and be ready on the show, having watched the whole damn thing. Uh, I'm. Cur- are they going to get to the red suit? 
because all so far all I've seen is like Ninja Black Hawkeye. Yeah, they've said that they're going to at some not point. Not Hawkeye. In the, I'm in sorry, the, Daredevil. Yeah, in that first got Hawkeye on the brain. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it looks super dark. It looks violent and stuff. They said it's rated R. Well, I mean, there's no rating on it. It's a, right. it's a TV show, so. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, in that format, in that, that Netflix thing, I just think it's so cool that we're we're at that point where this this Marvel stuff is coming out. Like, if they couldn't necessarily, because of their schedule, do the big feature film Daredevil, you know, we just we just don't. It, there's not enough time. We've got mm-hmm. all this stuff. You know, well, what about Netflix? They're doing amazing things over there. Let's go and talk to them. And they're like, yeah, we'll let you do that. And we're going to let you do these other three things too. Uh, just a really good uh, format and service to, to be delivering something on that with the fact that it's all coming out at once, thereby being how many episodes? I think it's going to be 13. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Like the whole thing all at once, like uh, <laughs> however many hours that is of like a giant daredevil movie that i really hope that it becomes this thing where it's just kingpin and daredevil throughout the whole series and they just build kingpin to just be this like force to be reckoned with throughout the whole thing and he's like untouchable and he's mean and he's nasty and he's he's just this larger than life foe for him and I just, I'm so excited. I really am. I can't wait. I have a lot of things going on that week, but I am blocking off like 24 hours to, to watch that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm super pumped for it. I, I just love that last line of the trailer when he says, you know, I just, I'm just trying to make my city a, a better place. Like it just feels so Matt Murdock yeah. to me, you know, it feels mm-hmm. so daredevil to me and it doesn't matter what color suit he's wearing or, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. It, it's just, right. he is daredevil and um, you see the stuff with Foggy in that trailer, which uh, is one of the things I'm most excited about. Is I had that no idea that dude was going to be Foggy. <laughs> I've seen him in a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. I can't name a thing right now, but I like him. Yeah. And um, you, Karen Page is, is going to be in it. Obviously, we know that Night Nurse is going to yeah. be a, a part of it. So um, really pumped. And, and I think I've gotten more pumped as they've announced stuff for Jessica Jones and they've started ramping up on that. It makes me even more excited because I feel like there's going to be a lot of great performances and a lot of great actors encompassing yeah. this, this universe. And um, I love that they're able to do this. Like, it's not like we have to wait 10 years for a Daredevil movie. You know, it's, they got it back and they're going to do a show with him. And I think that's, that's awesome. Isn't uh, Rashada Jones is going to be, no, no, uh, Rosario Dawson. Oh, is n- night nurse. No, no, no. Um, the, the Jessica Jones who's, who's playing Jessica Jones, not Jessica, uh, Kristen Jones. Ritter is playing. Oh, Jessica that's the Jones. one that I'm thinking of. Yeah. I'm sorry. See, I told you I was going to get hungry and start to get all weirded out by the end. Uh, super excited about that, though. Um, other news, too, like stuff that I'm not, we're not really having much details about, but they're doing, they're going to do a Valiant Cinematic Universe with TV stuff as, as oh, well. Oh, cool. Really? Uh, they got a big investment from a Chinese company to, to do movies and TV shows. Nice. Obviously, very nascent early stages of that stuff, so who knows what directors, writers, and stuff it's going to be. Um, Any of the properties? I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think so. I was looking at the story. I'd like to see a Harbinger show. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be those big ones are going to be the ones that they they pull out. I'll try to pull up a story here, see if any more details have come out since I saw it. Um, you know, I think it's a cool idea, but I have the same opinion about that freaking Ghostbusters things they're talking about. Like, oh god, don't even get me started. Let's do one movie yeah. before we do a universe of movies. Okay, <laughs> let's just calm down, everybody. Okay, only one 
studio has been able to do it. So just let's see if you guys can like <laughs> do one good movie, and then let's talk about doing like forty movies. Of, Did you uh, see uh, that they were changing the name of like the male-led Ghostbusters? No, I didn't see that. Ghost Core. Oh no 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 no! That's not what that is. That's there. There is a group of like uh, Ivan Reitman and like the core group of like. Um, oh, that's just what they're... That's what they're calling themselves. Okay. That are going to like be running the thing. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yes. The right. guy-themed Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a stupid way to put it. It's just a stupid way to put it. Like, like look, I, I love the Ghostbusters. I, I'm honest, quite honest with you, I'm not excited about any new Ghostbusters because I, I. I just love the original Ghostbusters so much. Yeah. Channing Tatum. But um, I, I also really like Channing Tatum. So uh, that's not an issue for me. But if you're going to do it, like focus on the one that's coming out. Make it great. And then if you want to do other movies, that's fine. But like, and listen, they're talking about the Russo brothers possibly directing it, Mm -hmm. Channing Tatum being in it, Chris Pratt possibly being in it. Like, that sounds pretty awesome. But let's just focus on the one that's coming out with the other awesome cast and director and and then worry about more. And it's not even about like like the female versus male-led movies. It's just like, we don't need two Ghostbusters movies in production at the same time, you know? (laughs) Just do one. If you're gonna do any, just do one. Um, silly. Yeah, it's it's very silly. <laughs> um, so here's the story. Uh, the headline in slash film is Valiant gets funding to develop Marvel style Valiant Comics movie universe. Um, the press release announcing the deal also trumpets an addition of nine figure investment towards development of film and TV projects featuring Valiant characters such as Bloodshot, Shadow Man, and Archer and Armstrong. Um, so those are the three so far. Uh, that have been um, said to be in, in development uh, for for anything. Uh, the company, uh, yeah. So, so Bloodshot, which will be a partnership with Sony Pictures, um, Shadow Man uh, with Sean Daniel Company for a script by J. Michael Skrzynski, and Ar- Arthur and Armstrong also with the Sean Daniel Company from a script by Ben David Garbinski. So they have three actively in development. Uh, obviously, uh-huh. no directors or anything. Um, in play there so we'll see what happens with that stuff you know I, I think obviously they have a dedicated fan base and they have a cool universe so it definitely has the possibility uh, to, to do it I just again I just, it's like the whole thing with the, there's gonna be a Robin Hood cinematic universe there's a Universal Monster cinematic yeah. universe <laughs> let's just lay off guys alright <laughs> let's make one and then you can start doing it um, Universal tried that with Van Helsing remember look how okay, well that turned that out that movie was horrible <laughs> That's one of those movies that I just forget ever exists until someone brings it up. Sorry. And I'm like, I'm you know like, what oh, wasn't no. terrible that I watched a, a little while ago was that Dracula Untold. Right. Like it was... Luke Evans. Yeah. Like it, it had its moments where you were kind of like, but f- overall, it was entertaining as hell. Yeah. I just, the, the previews yeah. always turn me off because like, dude, does it need to be an action movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um... I just always think back to like that uh, people say about Back to the Future. Like, if Back to the Future was made today, Marty McFly would be saving the world in nineteen in nineteen fifty five. Yeah, it wouldn't just be about saving himself and getting his parents together. It's just like it's too small now to make a movie like that. Um, the most important day in the history of yeah. the world for that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some of the books that are coming out this week. Nikki, what are you excited for that's hitting the shelves this week? What are you going to be picking up with the snail tomorrow? Or today, as it would be when this show's coming out. <laughs> um, I will be picking up Hexed, number eight. Um, I love that series. I actually picked up the old mini-series with Emma Rios uh, doing the art uh, recently. So I'm really excited for that because the last one left off on a bad cliffhanger. Mm. Um... I might pick up Copperhead Volume One. 
Oh, cool. I have all the single issues, but I, I haven't read it all at once, so I might pick that up. Southern Cross and uh, Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and Thor number six. Ah, Sorry. Thor number six. I'm also Not excited the end about of the Thor. list. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah, yeah that's... I don't know we're going to get the answer, which is, I don't care anymore. I'm really enjoying the mystery of it, the, whether who Thor is. At I'm this enjoying point. it, too. Yeah. You've been full, full on Stockholm Syndrome by full the Full on, <laughs> yes. I, I, I've, I've absolutely succumbed to the, the, yeah. my captors at You've this point. You've grown to love it. Yeah. So that, that's a goodie. Uh, I'm intrigued at Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Current people, I would say that Chip Zdarsky is probably loony enough to do it, <laughs> as opposed to almost anyone else. Maybe Fraction would have been. The real problem with Howard the Duck has been, except for Steve Gerber, who created the character, no one's ever really gotten it right. So it could be entertaining, mm-hmm. and it could be a mess, or it could be an entertaining mess. Right. And I am sad to buy the next to last Fantastic Four this week. It's true. Mm. Two months' coming, time coming, runs, runs out. out for that one, and... <laughs> It'll be back someday, maybe. Sorry. Sorry to make it a downer. All right. Steve, what are you... Uh, I'll what, pick it back up. What are you pumped about? Uh, I am pumped about Alex and Ada, number 13. We're nearing the end of that, too. Mm-hmm. That's only going to 15. Um, Spider-Gwen 2 already mm-hmm. is, is coming out uh, today. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 3. Silk, number 2, also hits. Uh, Chrononauts from Mark Millar and Sean Murphy. Silk, number 2, is coming out? Yeah. I don't see this on the release list. I did before. <laughs> Am I wrong? I think you might be wrong. It sir. wouldn't be the first time this podcast that <laughs> I had been wrong. You, you were right about... I, yeah, I think you might you m- mightn't be wrong about those... Shit, oh, now I'm wondering. Girl girl's not coming out. Yeah, no, you're not. Re- no, no. Oh, I was looking at the March 18th. Oh. I wonder oh. if my I wonder if my entire my entire oh, list is, is, back is up fucked. Week, yeah. Damn it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you guys. <laughs> Southern Cross is coming out though, so you got that right. And so is Howard the Duck. <laughs> if I told you that the the continued tale of what's been going on in my home, you would understand why I'm out of sorts. This podcast, I do apologize. I'm very excited for uh, Southern Cross number one. <laughs> very curious about Howard the Duck. And I'm sure that there are a plethora of other fine titles coming <laughs> out this day that I will purchase with real money. Um, uh, for me, I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, now we're post Spider-Verse and Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, I want to see what's up with that. Um, you, you know, Ant-Man number three, a book I've really been enjoying. Uh, I, I continues to be. I hope it continues with it's. It's really it's really been funny and interesting and and, and a good read. Um, yeah, it's Howard the Duck. Obviously, uh, you know I I am only sort of familiar with the character in you know in oh. very few increments, and uh, I I think Zdarsky is the perfect person to try to hit, tackle something that bizarre and and loony. Uh, Thor number six, like like we said before, into that definitely. Um, both of the the Marvel books, uh, of course, of course, I'm, I'm ready for those. Um, yeah. So, but Steve, what 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 you got, you got excited? He found I, the eleventh. I take everything <laughs> back. I'm excited for one book and one book only. What's that? That is sheltered number fifteen. Oh, that's right. It's all over. The end. The end of that amazing, amazing book happens today, mm. and I cannot wait on so many levels to find out if my prediction is right, to see how it all goes down, to see the aftermath of all that stuff. The cover to it is awesome. Um, I'm so sad that it's over, but so happy that it's been so good throughout the whole thing 
that it I'm assuming it's going to end on a on a quality high note that it'll be something all collected in three trades that you could just hand somebody and be like you'll be done with this in an hour <laughs> it's that good yeah uh oh ninjack number one speaking of valley before oh yeah I was ninjack talking to Adam number about one comes earlier. out i am excited about that cool absolutely um i gotta catch up on ivar um yeah, I think it's only two issues have come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that book I'm I'm very excited about the art and that looks really really great. Uh, cool. So I'm I can't wait to, to check that out. Uh, there's a book called uh, Hellbreak coming out from Oni Press. It's a uh, Cullen Bunn book mm-hmm. that looks really cool. Um, so I'll definitely probably be checking that out as well. Definitely probably that's a, that's that's a real yeah. thing that people say. Um, How? Yeah. So that's 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 what I'm in for right there. I'm excited about some stuff. Spider Gwen Two does come out. It does. I don't know what list you were looking what at. What the hell happened? It was you were. It was part a real list, yeah. part a fake list. Oh God. Uh, Steve, I'm surprised you didn't talk about Surface Number One, Alesh Kot. I art by Langdon Foss. Very excited because it's Alesh Kot. Not really feeling the art. Okay. On that book. Um yeah, I, I, that's gonna have to be. A, I'll, I mean, I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up because I, I really do enjoy his his writing a lot. To I me, mean, he's kind of the the Hunter S. Thompson of independent uh, books right now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's something about that cover that's not talking to me. So we'll see. Hopefully, story will win out over art, and I'll, and I'll be able to to either get accustomed to it or just not give a shit. And I think one of the <laughs> most interesting things. Uh, Spawn Resurrection number one, written by Brian Wood, is is coming out. Weird, yeah, yeah, from, from oh. Image Comics. Uh, Spawn is holding like what looks very much like a video game sword, like a Final Fantasy sword on the cover. Um, <laughs> but it's just one of those things, like Brian Wood writing a Spawn book. It's it's so bizarre that I might pick it up and just read an issue of it to see what it what it is. I don't know if I've ever read a single issue of Spawn ever. I, I have not. I've owned a few just because I thought the, like, the covers were cool back mm-hmm. when like I didn't know anything about comics, like mm-hmm. when I was like 11. Mm-hmm. But um, well, yeah, I don't know. I've got about 47 jokes there. I'm not saying <laughs> anything. Um. <laughs> Hold it in, Bob. We're almost get... done. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'll definitely, I'll be definitely, uh, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, so uh, if you guys want to see any reviews or anything about those books, come to TalkingComicBooks.com for those and get in touch with us at TalkingComics on Twitter or Facebook.com slash TalkingComics. Um, again, come to our site for all of our awesome reviews, columns, and of course, our bevy of podcasts. Um, I'm on Talking Movies this week with Mr. Oh, Brian Verderosa. What's the topic? Uh, we talk full-fledged about uh, Kingsman uh, oh, Secret cool. Service. So if you want to hear a more in-depth conversation about that, check that out. Um, talking Valiant with Adam Shaw, of course. The Misfits with uh, Stephanie Cook, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood. And Talking Games, which we've talked about a few times tonight already. Uh, Steve Say, Justin Townsend, and Jackie Turner, and Rob Newmeyer. Wow. Lots, lots of names. Paying for that ad space. <laughs> yeah, paying for that ad space. Uh, you guys can cover some packs and obviously a bunch of games you guys have been playing. I played a ton of Helldivers this week. I'm in love with that game. Mm. I, seriously, in love. <laughs> nice. It's my awesome. favorite thing I've played so far this year. If uh, you want to get in touch with us personally, I am at uh, Bobby Shortall on Twitter. Steve. I am at dead underscore anchorus. Uh, Nikki, your Twitter. I'm at I am Asian Batgirl. And Bob, your email address. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Uh, we want to give a big shout out as well to Sammy Cassell. Yes. Who sent us all yes. awesome freaking gifts. Uh, I just be- got mine today or yesterday. Time travel's <laughs> weird. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. Um, yeah. we, uh, we got, he sent us a package with uh, 
he went to a signing at uh, Heroes Online, the, the comic book shop, mm-hmm. uh, where his local comic book shop, he got uh, Spider-Gwen signed by the creative team, as well as uh, L- uh, he got me a little uh, LP or of... Uh, um, so cool. Uh, face, of tiger? Of face of tiger. Face of tiger. Um, God, what is it called? Something with sea monsters. Married with sea monsters. Married with sea monsters <laughs> are the are the band that called the Mary Janes. Um, and he got Bob and Steve, uh, obviously copies as well of the mm-hmm. book and the full uh, yeah. record, a full album. So cool. Yeah, from Mary with sea monsters. Yeah, seriously, Sammy. Uh, thank you so so much. It was very very kind of you to uh, to extend those those gifts to us. Uh, I love music. I love vinyl. Uh, I will gladly add that to uh to my collection and uh it means a lot man thanks for thinking of us yeah yeah always right on top of these things and we just appreciate you a lot absolutely yeah, very kind and if you guys want to see the actual items uh when i got them i did like a a little video on oh, my really? phone yeah it's on our youtube <laughs> channel a little mailbag uh of me unboxing it so if you guys want to see that make sure you check that out um but yeah thank you so much that was that was really really great of you um yeah and i think that's gonna do it Oh, Bob's got something. I, yeah. Bring it on, Bob. I just want to send uh, Talking Comics best wishes to a new store that opened here on the island, right ah. down the road here, Android's Amazing Comics, which sort of took the place of Amazing Comics. It was down in Savo for about 30 years, and they moved up the street into bright, shiny new headquarters with all sorts of trades and toys and whatever, and very engaging little shop. So anyone in that area may want to just take a look. Awesome. I would go. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve. Ciao. Bob. Feel better, Steph. And Nikki. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued.